All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, this evening we wrap up our free agency coverage and predictions from a coverage perspective. Uh, Timing is not the most ideal. With the extra week in the season, it pushed our coverage out an extra week, and we can only allocate so much time. But today did mark the first day of the legal tampering period, and the fireworks did go off early. Some big names moved, some big names remain, and some wide receivers got overpaid, but such is life on day one of free agency. Tonight, we're going to focus in on the AFC and NFC West divisions. But more importantly, we are joined by a very special guest this evening. This is actually a huge night for us here at the We're Talking Football podcast as we welcome in the editor-in-chief and lead Kansas City writer for At Arrowhead Pride and chief's analyst for KSHB 41, local NBC in Kansas City, and 610 Sports in Kansas City as well. For our East Coast listeners, that is the equivalent of WFAN (laughs) in Kansas City. So clearly covering all things Kansas City Chiefs, Mr. Pete Sweeney. Pete, can't begin to thank you enough for joining us us this evening. Yeah, thank you for having me on here. It's probably no better day than the first day of what they call legal tampering to talk about some football, a lot of movement today. So it's exciting to be on. I like to think we do things well time, but it's just the way it worked out. So lucky <laughs> us in this particular um, instance. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm sure today has been a, a busy day for you, refreshing, and I'm sure it's been filled with speculation and uncertainty uh, and a lot of Chief fans sitting there twiddling their thumbs like most fans wondering, why is their team not spending $100 million in free agency when it's not always a reality when you watch teams like the Jaguars frivolously spending or right. even – I would say the L.A. Chargers actually being very, very careful in their spending and calculated. They've been to it. Yeah, no, they no. I was supposed to say they've been the two most proactive teams. It it seems like I I try to remind fans in Kansas City because there has been some frustration today pretty clearly as you start to look at the mentions in the comments that I have on, on my site. And, and this is, this is pretty typical. It's a football cliche, but you know, these Super Bowls and these titles are not won in March. And so, you know, a lot of these deals are sexy and you would like to see at some point Kansas city makes some move. I know they've been tied to Jarvis Landry, for example, but you know, a lot goes into it. There's the NFL draft. It's a long process. So it's, it's a nice reminder for fans to, to tell them that. And, and the Chiefs have said they're going to probably get more involved in the second wave as well. So we, we'll see in the coming days. Hey, got to fill the gap. I mean, being a that's 49ers right. fan, I, that's what I expect of, of my team. I did not expect uh, craziness uh, during day one. Before we jump into the expectations of running through the teams and, and firing through the AFC West to begin with, I definitely would love to just get your quick input on – Day one of the legal tampering period, I'll call it day one of free agency. We mentioned the Chargers, the Jaguars being rather aggressive. I I would even think Packers bringing back uh, Campbell was was a a big move for them as well. But your thoughts on like so when I look at this, I think Chargers did really, really well for themselves. Mm -hmm. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are just out there outside of the Brandon Sheriff signing are just out there overpaying everybody to bring in bodies and doing what teams tend to do on day one of free agency. I'd love to get your thoughts there. 
Yeah, you know what? I think it it's two different things. It it does feel like the Chargers are making a bit more of shrewd moves, and it does seem like a direct response to a what Kansas City has been able to do with Patrick Mahomes. But now, you know, you're looking, and it's not just Derek Carr and some Bridgewater lock combination in Denver. It's Russell Wilson, and so to keep up, I mean, in multiple multiple games here, you're gonna have to have the defensive pieces in place. I think. JC Jackson was a really nice move. If you're going to spend the money, do it on JC Jackson. Maybe don't do it on Christian Kirk. Uh, I think the Jaguars <laughs> are spending a little too much on on pieces that you're a little questioning. You know, you're questioning some of the some of these guys. I know it has been a, an emphasis of them to protect Trevor Lawrence, and I think that's the good. But some of these signings where you, you see Ingram and you're you're they're overpaying Kirk like pretty clearly. We all know what Kirk was in Arizona. It it almost feels like they're paying to make a flash or a splash and and maybe reset what Jacksonville has looked at and what was looked at during the Urban Meyer disaster. But I mean, we'll see. I I'm a really big Doug Peterson guy. I covered Doug Peterson here in Kansas City. He was able to go win a Super Bowl in Philly. So it could just be part of his process of let's change the mentality of who the Jacksonville Jaguars are because it's been really bad these recent years. And let's lean into what we have in, in Trevor Lawrence on a rookie contract. Yeah. So I'll throw my two cents in here and then I'm going to kick it to Lou to let us uh, um, kick off this evening. But <laughs> being a 49er guy that I am and having experience in dealing with Trent Balky and what that means for our team, I'm just questioning how much Peterson has to do with some of these signings. I know you got to overspend and you're making up for misdrafts and, and roster holes and all of those things, but these just don't feel like individuals, again, outside of Brandon Sherp, that are going to change the tide in Jacksonville. It just feels like additional swings and misses, and that's just my two cents, right? When I look at right. $18 million a year, for Christian Kirk, I'll get ten million a year for Zay Jones, a one-year deal, nine million. Evan Ingram, like mathematically, that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, I think all they're doing is driving up the market for other teams that are trying to sign top-tier talent at those positions. Yeah, they're playing checker. They're playing. They're playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. They're just trying to get the better teams who are cap strapped to force yeah. to spend money on their better players. It's, it's what's tough about the receiver so, is when you when you give Christian Kirk that deal. Right now, every team that signs a wide receiver is probably going to be better than Christian Kirk, or at least in that realm. So you're setting such a high floor. It's not a bad point, and I don't know why you'd want to do that. I made a joke on Kansas City Radio today. I'm like, all these other 31 teams should call each other and be like, we're just not doing it. We're just going to all agree. We're not, we're not going to pay that amount of money for someone like Christian Kirk. Yeah, now, let's go it's, sign it's funny. Allen Robinson for 13 million a year. Right, let's go right, sign right. Juju Smith-Schuster for 12 and a half. You know. So, Pete, it's funny that you said that because as soon as that deal got uh, signed, I saw from Tyreek Hill, he posted on, on Twitter, yeah. uh, the double I emoji, meaning like, I see what's happening there. And because obviously in Kansas City, I think there's some talks of him getting a new deal. So uh, whatever it was in the talks, that's definitely going to blow the roof off there. Yeah, 26-year-old with, with top five potential. You don't want him getting to the last year of his deal. But the problem is when Kirk signs – the four for 84 it's like that's the baseline right yeah. and not, not that it wasn't going to be higher than that before but now there there's no even yeah. in choice about it so yeah and he took a team-friendly deal the first time too before the what happened with all had the to yeah. yeah had to yeah so yeah, yeah. He, he's not he's not look he's not gonna give a hometown discount i believe now no, no. yeah so he's gonna go four for 932 million and then we'll just go <laughs> from there all right, fellas, let's go in because I'm sure we can spend all day here. 
But like we kind of talked about, Pete, before we jumped on, I figured let's let Lou run through the Chargers real quick, get you comfortable. I know I know we kind of gave you a format for kind of how we, we tend to do this, and I know some things have changed by the hour, if not the minute, because of the day that it is. Mm-hmm. But just to highlight kind of our rules of engagement for free agency coverage, um, ca- highlight cap space, uh, identify positions of need, important free agents by the handful, some potential cap casualties probably have already taken place. If not, they're going to take place in the next, let's call it 36 hours, and then discuss some some target free agents out there. And again, I know that's a, a sliding scale based on, on what's taking place over the last, let's just call it, I don't even know, 14 hours or so right. um, flirting and, and tampering period. So, Lou, I'll let you kick us off. Start with your Los Angeles Chargers, who I would say have had a pretty exciting first day so far. You have to, uh, this is going to be, uh, I'm going to try to be fighting back uh, a lot of smiling right now because I'm giddy like a little schoolgirl right now. Uh, but uh, yes, Los Angeles Chargers had a day. Um, but let's talk about. When originally looking at this roster prior to the offseason, I figured everyone touts how talented this, this roster is, but I always made the comparison. This was a roster kind of like configured like uh, a Madden roster. You have great starters and no quality of debt. So God forbid when someone is out for injuries, you're playing undrafted free agents, you're playing practice squad guys that have no deser- that have no uh, uh, no business being out there on the field. So I, I thought even though they get they usually get a lot of hype about having such talent on their roster, uh, but if you take a real deep dive into their roster, they're very thin. But uh, going into uh, free agency, I don't know where they are in regards to cap-wise right now because a lot of the deals that they signed today uh, are still trickling in. But uh, as of right now, over the cap has them at $13.2 million, which is ranked 17th. That's probably a little higher because they signed some players that we'll talk about a little bit later. But looking at their roster right now, after their first day of legal tampering, uh, they still need a whole right side of their offense, uh, offensive line. They need a right guard. They need a right tackle. Uh, I was going to say defensive line, but they already addressed that um, <clears throat> uh, earlier today. And I was going to say cornerback help too. So uh, can't say that right now either because I'm going to talk about that in a little bit later. But if I'm really nitpicking right now, they're probably looking for more of a, a wide receiver uh, for yards after catch type of wide receiver. They don't really have anyone that has that type of burst. Mike Williams, that big body wide receiver. Keenan Allen's a true possession uh, wide receiver. But they don't have anyone that can take that seven-yard slant or that drag route and just, you know, take it to the house, which has become extremely popular, especially with two high safety looks, you know, you know catching like wildfire lately. So <clears throat> that being said uh, – I also feel like they're looking probably at a running back uh, for an RB2. Austin Eckler had a fantastic year last year, but the issue with Eckler is is I don't think he can take the that workload year in and year out. I really think they need more of a bigger back, a short yards back. They try to do it through the draft with uh, Roundtree and Joshua Kelly, but those guys have, have been nothing but failures, unfortunately. So uh, I find them probably kicking around the tires of some uh, running backs uh, later on in second waves of free agency. So looking at their free their priority free agents, they have a lot of them, but I don't think they're going to bring back, back a lot of the guys I'm going to be discussing right now, mainly because they already found their replacements, i.e. Nuchena Nwosu. Uh He was an up-and-coming ascendant pass rusher um, that played really good, especially towards the end of the last year, uh, let, you know, end of the year last year. Uh, but they already uh, traded for Khalil Mack, so that means that he's not coming back. Um, Chris Harris, Jr., uh, I love the signing when they first brought him in, realized pretty much 
that uh, he had no more gas in the tank. He was always getting beat in man coverage. Uh, it was very frustrating watching him. So <clears throat> he's no longer being back because they already addressed the cornerback position today and during legal tampering. Linval Joseph, uh, that's another guy. He, he started off, you know, really good. Uh, his first his first year with the Chargers started off good again. The second year with the Chargers, the issue was apparently he got COVID and really never really bounced back. He said he said it really really took long, a toll long on him. COVID long yeah. COVID. yeah 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 really wow. took a toll on him. He said so he was never the same, and you really can tell from his run stopping percentage, you know, towards the second half of the year that like he just was not good. Uh, so Limbo Joseph, he's older too. Don't foresee him being back. Justin Jones, really good running back. Love Justin Jones. Has a tremendous a tremendous athleticism. The issue is he can never stay on the field, but whenever he's on the field, he's making big plays and big runs. I think they're a little tired of his uh, off the field, not off the field, his injury history. Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson. Yeah, Justin Jackson. Because there's a, yes, that's right. There is Justin, a Justin Jones. I was like, wait, which a I'm going to get to the next. Uh, Three hundred yeah. pound running back. <laughs> well, it's so funny that you say that because Justin Jackson, they're probably not going to bring back because injury history, and Justin Jones, who's their uh, three technique and their defensive. Uh, defensive line, they probably will not also bring him back either because he's also uh, has been shown inability to stay on the field. So both of those guys, even though they're good and they flash at times, they can't stay on the field. I think they're looking to uh, have perhaps a little healthier, you know, along those lines. Uh, Oday Abushi, that's someone uh, uh, he's a right guard. That's someone I feel like they really could bring back. Uh, he signed pretty cheap last year. Uh, he's been working with uh, working out with Duke. Uh, Man, uh, what's his name? Merriweather. Uh, that big offensive line guru out there. He really improved over the last two years, had an ACL injury, but before the ACL injury, he was really outplaying his contract. I can picture them bringing him back on the cheap. So that's something to look out for as well. And last but not least, we got Kaiser White. I was uh, going to say, don't leave my boy off this list. Kaiser White, was, listen, Kaiser White was fantastic last year. He was a converted safety from West Virginia. Uh, they finally realized he can't play strong safety. You got to play him closer to the box. So I thought he played really well. He's flying around. But looking at the Staley, if you look where Staley has been, you know, uh, during his tenure in the NFL, I don't really think he covets the linebacker position. That's not something he really feels like it's uh, to, to prioritize. So then they also feel like they have depth there. Don't forget they have Drew Tranquil, who was really good last year, and they also have uh, Murray too. Even though he didn't play good, they're probably going to give him another shot because he has that first-round that first round pick, like, stigma to him. So you have to play him. And last but not least, I forgot, Jared Cook, he can leave. He, he had the most drops of any tight ends last year. It was very, frust very frustrating watching him play. So some possible cap casualties. Now, if you look at this roster, it's actually a pretty healthy uh, – it's in a pretty healthy spot for numerous reasons. First, you can say a lot what you want about uh, the general manager of the Chargers, Tom Telesco. But for one thing, they seldom have any dead money. And I feel like if you look at their roster right now, they only have $500,000 of dead money. That's really important because dead money sometimes can, uh, especially with a, a team like the Chargers, can really prohibit you from being aggressive in free agency. So uh, they're, in a, they're, they're in a good spot. They have a stud quarterback on a rookie deal, and some of their bigger cap hits are tied up long-term. I'm talking about Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, all sign up for long-term. So they really put themselves in a good spot right now. Um, if anything – Maybe they restructured deals like Khalil Max or Bosa's to free up space, but I don't see too many moves being made here. Brian Balaga, though, that's the that's the hundred pound alpha in the room right there. He's played less than twenty one percent of the offensive snaps since he got here. Uh, I really feel like he's going to go. He has a cap hit of fourteen million dollars, dead money of three point three, cap savings of ten point seven million. 
I think it's just a formality at this point. I feel like by Wednesday he will be uh, released for the Chargers. <clears throat> and uh, throwing, you know, uh, you know, here's a shot in the dark here. But Michael Davis, the 27 year old cornerback, don't think they'll move on for him. But if they're looking to perhaps poach another, because they were in the a lot of the experts were saying that they were in the market for more than one cornerback. So I wasn't sure if it was because if they don't get J.C. Jackson, they would look to perhaps get more uh, more depth. But I also think they could possibly be in Tredavious Ward, uh, uh, the Ward from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Tredavious, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like that's still a good a slot, a slot for him. So if they look to uh, to get Ward, and I could picture them uh, uh, parting with Michael Davis, the 27-year-old cornerback. Uh, he didn't do so well last year. He only had one interception in pro football focus grade of 54. His cap hit is 9.3 million. They can save 7.3 million there. He did regress. Uh, but you have to understand it's his first year in, uh, you know, the Staley's uh, new defense. So maybe it's some growing pains, but uh, that's a possibility, but I don't foresee that happening now. Uh, All right. Who are you signing that you already haven't signed? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Free agent targets of, you know, cornerback, they already signed J.C. Jackson to a big deal. Defensive defensive line, they already loved what they did with defensive line. We're talking about Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson. These are not your flashy signings, and they're not going to break the bank. But both of those guys have a huge emphasis on stopping the run. Sebastian Joseph Day has the highest run stop percentage uh, of 15.5% among interior defensive line. Austin Johnson is not too far behind him at 10.4%, and he's ranked 15th. So they're bringing in those hog mollies that have to op- occupy two gaps with uh, in that Staley defense. So good kudos for them for really aggressively attacking a, a weakness. Uh, so they got their cornerback. They got their defensive lineman. Uh, let's look at that right side, offensive, uh, right side of the offensive line. You look at the offensive tackle market, nothing flashy. Yeah, you could say Morgan Moses, Darren Williams just got released, Dennis Kelly are all logical fits because they're upgrades over a former XFL player in Storm Norton. However, I don't think that they're really going to – that fits the mold what they're trying to do. I think it's Billy Turner. Billy Turner, I think, is going to be their guy. Tom Flesco loves versatility. Last year he signed Matt Filer, who is the guard uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers that can kick out their right tackle. So I think they bring in Turner because they it's just the mold that they love, that versatility, and they love bringing in former Packer players, i.e. Casey Hayward, Brian Balaga. Uh, so I think they kick the turn, kick the tires of Billy Turner. And uh, as for the guard position, I already said they bring back uh, probably Cedric Abouche. Uh, and last but not least, running back. They need an RB2, like I said. Uh, they struck out twice in the draft trying to find a running back two later on in the draft. So I actually think they go towards free agency for this. Sony Michelle. That would be a good opportunity for him to stay in Los Angeles. The Rams don't have a need for him anymore, uh, being that Henderson's back and uh, Akers is healthy. So I think Sonny Michelle is a logical uh, fit for uh, uh, the uh, the Chargers. Marlon Mack, another guy, too, uh, that can slot in right behind Austin Eckler. And last but not least, this is a kind of a wild card, Cordell Patterson. And let me tell you why. Chargers just signed uh, the special team, the former Viking special team coach, uh, Ficken. And pretty much – he has a history with Cordell Patterson, and I feel like that could be a real good uh, – I'm just trying to connect some dots here, so I think that's a good fit too. Yeah, I, I, and listen, let's just call it what it is. I, you, you won day one, right? They, they made some of the, the major impact moves that they need to to compete in what is now 
arguably the best division in football. I mean, just based on quarterback play alone, outside of the talent on some of these other <laughs> rosters, anything I think beyond this is a plus. It's just a plus, like anybody, right? If it's Billy Turner, it's Cordell or Patterson, if it's Marlon Mack, it doesn't matter. Like anything beyond in the next few days is a plus. And, and don't sleep on the Sebastian Joseph Day um, and Austin Johnson signings because those – those are going to be institutional foundation pieces that are going to, what was the, what was the knock on the Chargers last year? They're giving up 200 yards a game rushing, right? Like in some of those big losses, notable losses, teams were just grinding them and grinding them, and grinding them. It becomes a little harder to do when you got some big um, and solid bodies up there, right? Like there, there are no names in like to the normal fan, but they're certainly recognizable <laughs> names to, I would say a more educated fan who, Follows in the trenches, so I listen, dude. I'm I'm literally applauding what the Chargers have done on day one here. What I, I like the, about yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Pete. No, I was going to say I think the the biggest signature seems to be the defensive backfield now with James and and Jackson and Samuel Jr., who is who is a, a great player. And I you know I think it's really in direct response to what Kansas City and Denver have been doing. And and everyone you know says Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and it's always Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City, but. What Denver has going on at both the receiver position and their tight end, Adam Azou, Albert O, and you know you look at Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, that's a tough team to play against now that they actually have a quarterback. So I think the Chargers made it a priority because you're trying to get over that Chiefs hump. But now Denver is suddenly really spicy with Wilson suddenly in the mix and all those receivers and, and the tight end that I just mentioned. Well, a couple of things I want to add on to that, Pete. I actually agree with you 100%. I don't know how much truth there is to this, but I personally think it was a couple of things. They have a young a quarterback who's a stud on the rookie deal, so they have some sense of urgency there too. But I wonder how much of uh, Tom Telesco is on the hot seat. Yep, look at his record with his team. He's been there for like what nine, ten years. It's right. just a little over five, uh, over five hundred. So, do you think his seat was getting a little hot, always playing second and third fiddle to other teams out there, uh, you know, in the AFC West? I, me personally, I don't know anything in that regards, but I'm just. If, if I'm like an owner now, I'm like, okay, where's the progression here? So this is his almost probably like saying my last hurrah in, in that regard. So trying to get like a, you know, a, a five-year extension. And uh, we're talking about all these teams, you know, spending frivolously. I don't think these deals are frivolously whatsoever. If you look at the, how they're structured, right? Uh, uh, the Mac deal or the, what they traded for, the Sebastian Joseph Day, the Austin Johnson, they're two, three-year deals. Guess what? The Mike Williams deal is also a three-year deal. Keenan Allen's a free agent in a couple of years too. So a lot of this money is going to come off the books when Justin Herbert is going to get paid off as his rookie deal. So these are not those type of deals that like the Saints did when they made the deal with the devil and they're still having all that dead money or the Rams, what have you. So I still think they're spending wisely and they're spending a lot, which is always a recipe for success in my opinion. Right. All right. Pete, it's your time to shine. I know you've been doing this all day today, <laughs> for all the weeks leading up. But I'm ex yeah. I'm excited, man. This is my first time to get to listen to you dive into your four, you know, your forte here. So, talk yeah. to us about the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, so this is something I I've been after all day, and and really in Kansas City, it's been a lot of watching everyone else make moves. And you know, we talked to General Manager Brett Veach couple weeks ago and this seemed to be what was going to be the case i didn't think that kansas city had enough cap room to really make any splash moves they're still figuring it out if you really look at the the cap right now again it has to be under by wednesday and right now the chiefs according to the trackers like over the cap are about six over 
there's going to be ways for them to get around that. Patrick Mahomes has these things called guarantee mechanisms in his contract where they can convert something to a signing bonus and spread it out. Frank Clark is still on the books. There's word of a restructure that could potentially be happening. The Chiefs could walk away or I, I'm, we'll get to the walk away, but we, the Chiefs could restructure Tyree Kill, lower his cap number. They just had a tag in Orlando Brown Jr., the left tackle, if they were able to come up with a long-term deal and make the number low for 2022 and kick it down the, the curb. So before they make any moves, we're, we're tending to think, you know, these contract things are going to have to be work, working themselves out. And so remains to be seen how uh, they get under the cap. The top needs for the Chiefs uh, are right now, it's just defense and rebuilding the defense. Anthony Hitchens already became a cap casualty. He's been a linebacker when he was the linebacker since 18 on and really became a staple in the locker room and was the, the glued to Steve Spagnolo and that Spagnolo would call him the glue when he was the coach on the field. They're walking away from him because they were able to draft a player named Nick Bolton, who led the team in tackles by 30 as a rookie as a rotational player. It's that's a name that, you know, nobody really knows, I think outside of Kansas city and really the AFC West, but he allowed the chiefs to move on from Anthony Hitchens and we'll see where Hitchens uh, ends up. Uh, the defensive line is a, is a big need. Everyone assumed that Frank Clark would no longer be here because of his cap number and that they would simply cut him. But it sounds like a restructure is in the the mix. And if the Chiefs were to restructure Frank Clark on the edge, you have a what I would call a, a B, B-plus max player. This is not the same guy that they got a couple of years back when he was really a key cog in, in making sure the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And so they're restructuring it to make the cap hit a little bit better and he'll become their B defensive end. I think the the big spending for Kansas City is going to be coming at the defensive end position. I like Darius Smith as a possibility. I like Chandler Jones as a possibility. I think they realize they really need an edge player. Melvin Ingram could also be added. They had him last year after the trade from the Steelers is now a free agent, but I don't think that that'll be till a little bit later, you know, as you go through the waves of free agency. And the big elephant in the room, you mentioned that for the Chargers, is Tyron Matthew. I don't know exactly what's happening with Tyron Matthew. They're letting him test the open market. If I had to bet, I would guess that he wouldn't be here. And so the Chiefs are going to have to to dive into what will be safeties, and we'll see if Charvarius Ward is another guy who ends up leaving. I think they like their young crop, and they'll probably look for what is going to be a value at the corner position. Brett Veach has made it a staple, not really necessarily overspend, because cornerbacks, as we found out with J.C. Jackson's deal today, are not cheap, and when you have a lot of things you got to figure out, I, I think Kansas City realizes let's be really creative with our spending. I also think on the offensive side of the football, they could use an upgrade at right tackle. We've talked a little bit about the tackle market where there aren't great names out there. Do you wonder if, if they get involved in, in maybe just let's see, let's plug and play with the value guy there and see if we can get another tackle in the NFL draft. Uh, and then I think they do end up spending on a luxury wide receiver. They've been in the mix for Juju Smith-Schuster in the past. I think that's the the best possible fit for them, but they have also been tied with Jarvis Landry. And as we were getting on here, Adam Schefter, who's well in the know of this stuff, said that they um, were among those most in the mix for Landry between them and the New Orleans Saints. The problem is when a team wants the player as much as the Chiefs do, they can't really afford a bidding war this offseason. So I wonder if, if Landry just becomes – too expensive and they have to move on to the next best, best thing. They've also been tied to guys like Allen Robinson and MVS um, Valdez Scantling out of Green Bay. So um, we'll see what ends up happening there. I mentioned Matthew's a free agent. Uh, Anthony Hitchens already cut. 
Matthew and, and Traverius Ward are the ones to watch. Traverius Ward has been what I would say is a slightly above average player for Kansas City, but it sounds like he's going to be making premium money. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to overspend to keep Traverius Ward. So they're going to have to figure out another solution at the cornerback position. They have other free agents that are along the lines of, of what would be average type of players. Daryl Williams, the running back, was a backup running back. Had a nice season for Kansas City. He was a 1,000-yard receiver. Byron Pringle, a homegrown, undrafted free agent. This ended up being what is 20 UFAs for Kansas City. So the big ones to me are, are Matthew, Jaron Reed, Melvin Ingram, and Charvarius Ward. We'll see what ends up happening with these guys. I know that uh, Daniel Sorensen became a little bit of a joke in Kansas City, like the uh, punchline. <laughs> Dirty um, Dan. I, I end up I'm, I'm thinking that he ends up back with Kansas City on a very small one year veteran type of deal. I don't think there's going to be much interest there, but the Chiefs absolutely um, love this guy. I had mentioned Anthony Hitchens, uh, you know, his cap casualties. Anthony Hitchens was was already cut. I'm wondering what they do with Frank Clark. Clark, they could cut outright if they're not able to come up with a restructure or some kind of pay cut thing. And they're going to have to. If they don't, I think the thought process right now with a surprise restructure is if they ended up cutting him, they still need two defensive ends. So they'd rather, I think, restructure Frank Clark to get him closer to what he brings to the table, lower that number and see if he can be a rotational guy. I don't know if you guys remember from the Giants, but Steve Spagnuolo really likes to rotate these defensive linemen. Mm -hmm. So much like a, a Bayheim basketball team, which I'm very upset about <laughs> at this point, it's like four and five and six players deep. And so he could, in a sense, be unfortunately a very premium rotational guy and i think he still has some juice left but you're gonna have to bring in that big name at the other edge position i mentioned some receivers that they could go after as targets i think smith and jones to me those edge players are key i think if matthew ends up walking to another team they're gonna to have to look at the safety market and see what they like and then also the premium wide receiver it's been tyree kill that's been Travis Kelsey, but they've really missed that third big-time pass catcher since Sammy Watkins left for the Baltimore Ravens. Even when Watkins was here that last year, he just was getting injured too much. So they have to find a healthy receiver there that when there are these good teams, as you get toward the end of the year, which is the Buffalo Bills and now suddenly the Cincinnati Bengals, they really came out of the woodwork as a power player, especially defensively. You got to have that third pass catcher. If, if they're able to double Tyreek and bracket Travis, who's going to be that third guy? Byron Pringle was not cutting it. Demarcus Robinson wasn't cutting it. Josh Gordon would never did anything uh, here in KC. So I think they really got to get that re reliable third pass catcher. I think Patrick Mahomes is actually going to be better next year. I think he's going to have a whole offseason to, to figure it out. And so the offense is going to be just as good as we've been used to seeing. It's just now cleaning up some other pieces and adding where they need to offensively. So it'll be an interesting a couple days here for Kansas City because they were awfully quiet. I joked with you guys before I got on. I had to write up their big first acquisition, which was just retaining their fullback. Andy <laughs> Reid's the only head coach in the NFL that seems like really wants to always have a fullback, but they did. Michael Burton returns. Um, there's a lot of jokes I'm seeing right now and mentions and comments and stuff like, oh, now we finally made our big move. This is great. Uh, but th I think the moves will come. The Chiefs are trying to be really smart with the, the amount of money they dish out because don't forget, I mean, you talk about the, the L.A. Chargers. They're still on that rookie deal. It's a major freaking advantage when you're paying the money for what is an elite quarterback. And a lot of people would say at least top five. Some would say still he's the best and you're paying him, you know, that half a billion dollar contract. You got to figure out how to manage that money and, and continue to give yourself long term flexibility. Yeah, just Pete, just to put that into context, I saw something funny where if you put um, Justin Herbert's cap number and Khalil Mack's cap number 
Carson Wentz still has a higher cap hit than those two players. So that rookie deal is such a – if you find your rookie quarterback and, and you can really build up, you know, build that rookie quarter, you know, around that rookie quarterback during his that first contract, it's such a huge advantage. And it's, it's very important. You can't squander these opportunities like what the Dallas Cowboys did back with Dak. I never felt no. like they really surrounded him with enough talent to, you know, to go all into, you know, during that window. And look what happened. Now they're losing players. And now yeah. that, that window is kind of, they're always reshuffling and uh, they're yeah Now they're retooling. So you, you have to really go in all in on those, uh, on those rookie deals. Well, it, and it's, it's brilliant by the NFL and, and the parody and, and the product that is the NFL. And I think that's part of the reason that it's King is because after the fourth year, if you happen to have an elite quarterback, you got to pay, right? Yeah. I mean, it's an advantage at the beginning. If you're fortunate enough where he's elite at the beginning of his career, it's a major advantage, but it only lasts for so long. Like once yep. that third year hits, you know, you better be locking that guy down. You don't want to get into a Kirk Cousins commander mess. Uh, yeah. We saw best uh, businessman out there. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, so yeah, no, I, I, I think the Chargers are leaning in. I think they realize it's right there. I think there's probably a ton of frustration from how that season ended with the timeout and everything like that. And so I think they're, they came out guns blazing and and. You know, we, we talk about the AFC West. The Chargers are also competing for eyeballs in L.A., period, because they're the other team that shares their building just won a Super Bowl. So no. I think this was them kind of saying, look, we're a team in this market, too. We can compete and we can also compete in the AFC West. Pete, right, let so me ask wanna, a question. Oh, go, ahead, go ahead, Weston. You go ahead. I want to add, add an asterisk to all of this. Your, the rookie quarterback has to be good on the rookie contract, right? right. <laughs> like, let, let's let's clarify Sam, that. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Is not <laughs> exactly. The answer, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Tua Tagovailoa, not your answer. Yes. Um, these are things that I, I want to be crystal clear on. Lou, I know you were going to say you have a question, but I have some questions too. Why we have Pete? Because we're not going to have much of his time, so I want to cannibalize it as best as I possibly can. Because being a 49ers fan, I'm I'm relatively intimate with the Chiefs in some capacity because yeah. of my my hatred towards them. But I happen to be a <laughs> huge Patrick Mahomes fan. I happen to be a huge Andy Reid fan. I also hate happen to hate Tyreek Hill and hate Frank Clark yeah. and other players. Um, even D Ford is on my own roster, but we'll, we won't go too <laughs> that. But you mentioned Hitchens, right? You mentioned Anthony right. Hitchens and being the glue of the defense. You have a pulse of this team. I look at like Willie Gay and I look at um, Bolton like these guys are players. You know what I mean? So like do they feel like Hitchens is a must because I what I watch, I I don't like I know what he brings to the team and I know you you can't can't replace veteran leadership. But like Bolton balled out. Right. Willie Gay, I feel like, is playing at a relatively high level. And I think that that almost makes Hitchens expendable. No, it was it was Bolton and and to to Hitchens credit. I mean, he really knew that he was training his replacement as the (laughs) and he did that. And he did. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, and that's why it's like someone that's easy to root for. You know, if you're in Kansas City so long as he doesn't go to another AFC West team, it'll be someone you kind of root for from afar, because I think. He really trained Bolton to be the Mike, and there were some injury issues throughout the year where Bolton had to wear the green dot, and all these young players got that experience calling the plays, and it made Hitchens expendable, and I think he knew that, and he, he still leaned in, and I know that there's been rumors that he has interest in going back to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm, I'm rooting for him wherever he ends up going, but it was Bolton and Gay really showing that they could do this. Now, where it gets interesting here is, is Hitchens was a leader. The leaders in the locker room are Chris Jones, 
Anthony Hitchens, Tyron Matthew, and for the one year, Melvin Ingram was in that mix just as, you know, keeping these young guys sort of focused and together. The three of those names could be gone. And Chris Jones, to me, can sometimes be a goof. He's a great player, but I, I just don't know how much respect he necessarily commands as a leader. You look at Nick Bolton, it's a second-year player, right? If you get rid of Tyron Matthew, it, it's Juan Thornhill in, in, in the defensive backfield. Is he uh, someone that's ready to, to pick up that lead? Because it's it, leadership defensively, it's important for every team, but it's important sure for Kansas is. City. It went from Eric Berry, Eric Berry to Tyron Matthew, and Tyron Matthew really changed the culture. So if you're plucking him out now and Anthony Hitchens is gone as well, who leads this team? And yeah. I'm just not sure these young guys are ready to do it. So I'm wondering if that's something that Kansas City really thinks about and bringing in a veteran type guy if they do wave goodbye to Tyron Matthew. It, it's a great point. And when you especially when you reference it, like for Chief fans, Eric Berry to Tyron, uh, Tyron Matthew, like <clears throat> Like these are formidable leaders, right? They're like right. leader of men, right? Like they they are an extension of the coaching staff on the field, and that's a big deal. I have one I have one more point that I want to back up that I think you said because I agree with you, and then I think Lou had a question, and I won't be selfish anymore, and I'll let Lou cannibalize a little bit of your time. But you mentioned you think Patrick Mahomes will be better this year. I emphatically agree with that and i think yeah. what i agree with about that is more about not having necessarily that third crazy good weapon on offense outside of tyreek hill and and travis kelsey i think when i look at somebody like patrick mahomes who's just a natural playmaker right like his instincts take over in certain things for the for the for better or for worse sometimes it doesn't always pan out but you see left-handed throws and you see all of those things i also just feel like sometimes he's a guy where it's like like i almost like the obj syndrome like the browns offense right. was worse when odell beckham jr was in the offense i don't care what anybody says like it just didn't go the way it was supposed to sometimes it's like just call the play that right. Andy Reid called and Mahomes just go let your talent take over and not where I feel like there's only one ball. Right. And sometimes like when you have too many playmakers, it's a prima donna world. They all want the ball. They all want their stats. They all want their bonuses. They all want those things. When you don't have those personalities, it's like just let the quarterback dictate where it goes. And I think having lack of that is actually going to benefit Patrick Mahomes because he is his caliber is he makes everybody better around him point blank. Like he makes everybody better is, is my personal opinion of number 15. No, I think it's a, I think it's a proper concern when you're talking about the one ball thing, what I have seen in Kansas city is it's a problem. When you begin the season, you go three and four, typically they're winning a lot of sure. these games. I mean, they've, they've just won a lot in the last four years. And when, a team is winning and you know Travis Kelsey gets three balls for 21 yards he doesn't really care and that, that's reality even though he's a, a thousand yard guy every year now if they start <laughs> losing and maybe he's not throwing the football or Tyreek Hill doesn't really see enough balls and then I think that could tailspin they've done a really good job with a lot of these stars uh, maintaining it I mean there are enough balls for Hill and Kelsey for the most part where yep. it's been interesting is a guy like McCall Hardman who I think on any other team is probably an 800-ish yard receiver, and he's really been having to take this role early in his career because these guys are on this team. You know, you, you said you're a 49ers fan. They've kind of made him into Debo Light toward the end of the, the, the sure season did. last year, and I really liked him in that role. I, I, I think anytime Andy Reid sees another unique thing in the league, like a wide back, suddenly he's like, wait a minute. 
I need something like that. And I, that, I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, you really go down the line and there's an obscure name, but they were doing some of that stuff with DeAnthony Thomas, but never to yeah, the sure. extent of Debo. And I think McCole Hardman, I'd assume what they're doing is going to really challenge him to embrace that next year. And I think you'll see a lot more of it in Kansas City. You think about, so you, now they suddenly have a wide back. You think they'll have this third pass catcher. It's Tyree Kill, it's Travis Kelsey. Running backs were good toward the end of last year. I tend to think that they'll bring Jarek McKinnon back in the mix. He's an unrestricted free agent. I think he's a quiet key to what Kansas City was doing at the end of last year. Daryl's going to go. I think Clyde will be back in the mix. And so it's a lot of weapons. And one thing I will say about covering Pat, too, is, you know, this guy's a nice guy when he is at the podium. And I know that there's all these wisecracks about his family and his entourage and whatnot. When he's on the field, I mean, he's a psychopath. And I just think he's so mad about how the culture of the NFL and the storyline changed, especially with the disaster that was the second half of the AFC title. And I think what happened is he was figured out a little bit toward the, the middle of the year. And because the season was ongoing, America got to really watch him work through those struggles. And he did. And all of a sudden, you know, there was the too high and, and he was he was playing well and taking what was in front of him. And something happened where a tail spinned in the AFC title and they sort of reverted back to plot, trying to play a lot of that hero ball. And I just think he's going to come back with a different mentality and they're going to rework his re retool his mechanics. And I just think mentally he's going to be stronger going yeah. into the next season. And when he's mentally strong, I, there's no better player in the league. I mean, that's that's reality. And it's just hard. Because it's such a what are you what are you doing lately type of thing, and the last people the last thing people remember is like his brain breaking in the second half of the AFC title. Yeah. So I'm I'm eager and I'm interested in the Mahomes redemption that might come in 2023. So, yeah, so Pete, I have a question. I, I want to follow up on that. Um, the regression last year, and I, when I'm saying regression, I'm not saying I, Mahomes. In my opinion, I think he's the best quarterback in the league. So yeah. that's my opinion. If not, he's one. He's he's two. So he's top two. So, but there was some moments where you just always expect the Kansas City to, to, you know, come back and win the game or what have you. So th there was some noticeable regression, I, th I thought. And my opinion, or I'm asking you, what is your opinion? Is it more of like an arrogance type of thing? Like, hey, we know we're good. It'll eventually it'll just work out and we'll win the game. Or was it really him having trouble deciphering these two high safety looks that become spreading like wildfire uh, fire? over the league the last two, three years. What is your opinion of that? Yeah, I, I think sometimes it's it's frame of reference, I think, and, and it gets you get in trouble a little bit with Pat because, you know, let's not call him Patrick Mahomes. Let's call him quarterback X, right? Quarterback X had 4,800 yards, 37 touchdowns, and 13 picks. Well, I think Sign me up. New York Sign me up. You know, <laughs> teams would take that, right? And yeah. uh, you, you look at the 13 interceptions – I, you know, I watched these games. Some of them were off of other receivers and weren't really his fault. I mean, that, that number was inflated as well. And so he did have a period of struggles at the beginning. And for the first time in his career, and, and this was really interesting, he was costing the team games by decision making and whatnot. And I think there was a little bit of that cockiness and really just a putting the team on trying to put the team on his back a little too much. Whereas he really had to change his mentality of sometimes taking what are short yardage, not necessarily throwing the ball downfield 10 times. Maybe you're only going to get three shots, so you better hit him in this game. I think Kansas City used to be able to take a lot of shots downfield because of uh, the, the lack of um, the too high and, and that strategy of just like, we're going to drop eight back and see if you can beat us. And I think some of that goes into the play calling too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of RPO type plays where, 
Andy Reid just says, you decide at the line what you're going to do. And Pat chooses to pass a lot. And, you know, maybe he shouldn't or maybe he shouldn't have the opportunity. Like maybe it should be a lot more of these just straight running it up the gut. Now, then you get into deeper conversations like Clyde Edwards, Elaire, the guy. Fair conversation. I don't know. You know, they've, they've drafted this guy in the first round a couple of years back and he's just been injured and, and sometimes not as good as, as you would need him to be if you're really going to have a true balanced attack. So there's a lot that goes into it. I just think that, you know, you what what Patrick Mahomes really needed about four or five games in when this is this was starting to work against him. He what he needed was like a, a timeout. Like, you know, you see in basketball, like, wow, this is getting out of hand. We got to call. The problem is the NFL season rolled along. It was like week five. And so he had to really learn on the fly. I think he did that. I think what was tough is the Bengals just they got the better of the Chiefs in the regular season, which cost them the bye week. And then they had their number a bit by the defensive changes that they made in the AFC title. Just saying we're going to. Yeah. Drop eight back. You guys don't want to run the football. You guys don't want to dump it off. Fine. We're just going to continue. And, and they couldn't do anything. And, and Mahomes, I think, really, for the first time on a very public stage with everybody watching, unraveled and yeah. uh, reverted. And I think he'll learn from that. And I think he'll probably be a better quarterback and a, and a more stable quarterback uh, next year because he'll have a whole offseason to really work on, I think, that mental mentality and, and do drills. And, you know, um, Matt, Matt Nagy's become an NFL punchline as well but i think in this particular role he's going to thrive as really like the andy reed assistant eric the enemy assistant and working directly with pat now that mike kafka has moved on to the to new york giants i think Nagy, again i don't know about him being a head coach maybe he gets another opportunity somewhere down the line but i really think he's he's solid in the quarterback coach role so i think that's going to help patrick moms a lot I okay, mean, I got I got one more question for you p and i promise then we'll let you go eat dinner <laughs> it's okay so um Thinking about it, so what is the sentiment on Kansas City, especially with everything that's going on in the AFC West and this arms race? Is it that we're still, you know, the top dogs, or is it legitimate concern that, oh, no, Russell Wilson's here. Yeah. Uh, now you got Josh McDaniels coming over for the Raiders. The Chargers are, you know, making it rain out here. So, like, what is is there a concern, or is it like they're still the, the stepbrothers of the division? Yeah, I have a good answer to this because we um... – <clears throat> You know, I I run this the website Arrowhead Pride, and this is like the number one Chiefs site. We have like two hundred thousand followers. Yep. I put up a poll the other day, and I said, "Well, how concerning is is Russ Wilson?" And my choices that I put up were not concerned, somewhat concerned, and very concerned. Very concerned only got five percent. I mean, this is still a fan base that has watched Mahomes, and it's unlike anything anyone ever seen. Forty five percent was somewhat concerned, and and fifty percent was not concerned. So I think one and two fans are like, "Look, we still have the best quarterback." I think there are some. And I would consider more realistic fans out there. I mean, I would probably fall if I'm if I'm judging and answering this question myself and watching this team. I'm probably in a somewhat concerned area. I just think the Chiefs had good for so long, where they were just was them and everybody else. And then Herbert came. And you're like, well, you know what? This guy can play a little bit. And Russ Wilson speaks for itself. He's he's a former champion, and and that's a huge upgrade when you talk about playing Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater or a combination of both. Derek Carr in recent years has played the Chiefs well. And I think where it hurts them is, I mean, they're very much in Super Bowl or bust territory at this point, and they've taken away a bye week. So now you're playing six games against these really tough teams, whereas I just don't think it, it's as hard in Buffalo right now for Josh Allen when you're, mm-hmm. you're playing the Jets and, um, you know, the Dolphins and, and the Patriots and the, the Patriots and what they've become with this second-year quarterback. Zach Wilson, we don't know anything about, and then it's it's Tua and and what's going to be the Mike McDaniel experiment. Like to me, that should be a five and one AFC East season for 
for mm-hmm. Josh Allen, whereas now in Kansas City, Kansas City suddenly three and three is outstanding to me in this division. And yeah. you're already, you're already two games back, right, from the Buffalo Bills, and that bye week is is big. I know the teams. Um, Lower seeds have won the Super Bowl these last couple of years, but you know, typically speaking, it's just a major advantage, especially when you're Super Bowl or bust, because you get that rest at the end of the year too. I I tend to think that if the Chiefs had not blown their week 17 game against the Bengals and lost the bye, I I, I tend to think the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl if they're able to get that, that week <coughs> off. Didn't happen, you know, and and now now the the road gets a, a lot more difficult. So. Fan base, I think, feels okay because they do have Mahomes. But I think, you know, the other half is like, no, you know what? This is no longer like your daddy's AFC West. It's very clearly with Wilson. It's funny because Wilson went from one West to the other. To me, it's very clearly the best division in football. And I, I don't really know if there's anything close anymore. And that's that's going to be a tough road. And I don't know I don't know if um, enough fans realize that in Kansas City yet. Well, I want to make. I want to agree with the overwhelming sentiment of the Kansas City Chief fans. I'm not worried yet because right. in the NFL, it is about two things: do you have the best quarterback, <coughs> and do you have the best coach? Yeah, right. Coaching actually matters in the NFL, and the answer to that question today, as we're having this conversation, is they still have both. They yep. still have both, and what I think bodes very well for Kansas City is last year they learned to win differently. It wasn't four and five play drives for 80 yards. It was 13 play, 14 play, 17 play drives. That's not something that you've seen from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid over time. And the secret here is the budding joke of the NFL, Matt Nagy, coming back in the role that he is. It's very hard to be a head coach in the NFL. That's why people don't last there long. That's why there's only 32 of those roles. It's a difficult thing. But when you can focus on what you know and what you're good at, it's like being a jack of all trades or just being the best in your field. And you're going to get the most out of, of Matt Nagy in this particular instance. So, Pete, we appreciate you, man. I know yeah. it's been a long day for you. You are welcome <laughs> to hang, but if you need to go eat, you need to go fill yeah. that belly. We take no offense to it whatsoever, yeah. but just looking at the clock for us, it is time for us to. Oh, I do got two more questions game. for do got two more questions for Pete. A, should the overtime rule change? Yes or no? And B, what's for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm in. I'm in free agency frenzy mode, so not not a, not enough planning went in today. So we're gonna we're gonna be whipping up a frozen pizza in a couple seconds here. But uh, yeah, I believe the overtime rule needs to change. All um, right. The the Chiefs were victims of it. Um, a you know a couple of years back with the New England Patriots, they took advantage this year uh, with with the Buffalo Bills. Andy Reid recently joked he's a 50-50 shooter when it comes to that. So he, he I think he <laughs> tends to think. You know, football is better if, if the season doesn't end and, and the quarterback is sitting there and he doesn't get an opportunity. You know, I, I think you need to find the proper solution. Maybe it's a playoff only thing. I can get behind that with the NFLPA and not wanting to get injuries and whatnot. But you gotta you gotta have both you gotta have both yeah. teams touching the football and OT. But all, all right, right, fellas, I, I appreciate the time and uh I'll I'll make sure I tell Brian that I we had we had a good experience. You here. got it, man. Enjoy <laughs> that. Right. Appreciate you, brother man. Good yeah. luck. Thank you. All, all right. Nice. We- and we're talking football carries on because we got teams to cover, Lou, and we got time to move. So I, I wish actually Pete was able to stick around for this because a move just happened for this team that I'm about to dive into. I don't know if it came across your phone, but it came across yes. my phone, and my heart is ripped out of my freaking chest. The second the time two- today. Yes, the second time today. 
and not for all the obvious reasons. So let's talk about the Denver Broncos. $23.5 million in cap space. I think Bronco fans are just sitting there floating on cloud nine as they finally got this quarterback that they so desperately needed. And the talk was that they were always just a, a quarterback away. Yes, Russell Wilson is now a Denver Bronco. They gave up a lot for him, Lou. Um, but most important position on the field, I'll always argue, you give up what you got to get the guy that you think is going to do. Bad news for you, Broncos fans. You still have the third best quarterback in your division. That's how much highly I think. That's that's arguable. That's not arguable. It's arguable, but arguable the way that I'm phrasing it, not the other way. I won't I won't stand for those arguments. Let me let me clearly define this. Russell Wilson is an absolute (laughs) winner. Some people just wake up every day and they are winners and they make everybody around them better. Hold on, was he though? Because I feel like he he only won when he had a top defense and a solid running game. Dude, he is. (laughs) He is. But the Broncos are still actually more than just this quarterback away is the argument that I'm going to make. So when I think about that, what are some of the top needs? I'm specifically looking at right tackle, looking at edge rusher, interior defensive line, specifically with Shelby Harris parting, Um, linebacker, specifically the middle linebacker, cornerback. Right tackle is the most obvious. There are pass rushers in this division. We just spent some time talking about people like Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, right? Like the Max Crosby. These guys get after quarterback. And Gakwe, you just brought in what you said is your is your crown jewel. You better protect them. And I'm not even so sold on your left tackle. I know he's here to stay, but I'm not even so sold on that individual as well. But we'll just focus on our right tackle. They have 28 free agents. There's a couple interesting names here, a lot, uh, some that are going to garnish some attention from some other teams, and, I, and I'll talk about those. But given that addition of Russ, this team is is ready <laughs> to compete, right? Like they're not like out of this. Like I almost look at Las Vegas and I'm like, yo, you might be out of the equation right hey, now. Hey, 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 don't 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 ruin it yet. That's but I'm my just, team. I'm running, it's I'm different. Be. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just differently. Um what I think Russ does the best for this team outside of just like his playmaking ability is he now forces you to respect the passing game. And he's going to, he's, you can't no longer just load eight, nine in the box. Like literally that's what teams were doing to the Denver Broncos. And they were still running the ball. Well, right. Like now that you have to respect the running game, things change a little bit. So some of those top free agents, I look at right guard Graham Glasgow. So he only played seven games last year. He's been a longtime starter in this league. From a continuity perspective, I think he brings value. The guard market is getting noticeably thin right now. Um, I just think it it might be the most viable option to bring back somebody who, again, for continuity purposes. The other I think of is cornerback Kyle Fuller. So I know they have two other corner, three other cornerbacks that they're probably happy with. I don't know if Roby to me is like the true outside guy. I love him more in the slot. You know, Fuller played a little bit more outside, but he's 30. He's getting older. He does not pick off the ball at all in his career, but he could be interesting depth for a lot of teams. Like I have the 49ers going after him. I'll talk about this in a little bit and he'd be a starter for us. Right. So like there's things to to consider here. Jason Aponte is going to love this. We should tag him in it, but running back Melvin Gordon to me is a must bring back. 
I know Javante Williams. I know everybody's in love with him. But the NFL is no – there are no more bell cows. Like, that is not a thing anymore. And this running game was very formidable last year with these two. And a very important thing to consider, Melvin Gordon is not 30 yet, which is the age of death for running backs in the NFL, unless your name is Frank Gore. Yeah, and you have to understand, he's always shared the load, Melvin Gordon. So I think he has more tread on the tires than you think. 100%. Only issue is with him that they're saying that he's he's not coming back to the Broncos. It's so. probably a price thing, right? Like it's probably somebody's going to pay him. Maybe a little, re- maybe a little reunion. Um, I, would you be mad about it? I wouldn't be mad about it. I know Chargers fans would be. I wouldn't be mad for, but I don't think they will do that because I don't think you can have Chargers guy- fans should take whoever they give them based on who they just brought in. So I don't think that it would work out because how are you going to back up the guy that took your job? You know, who what I'm cares? Saying? You're going to pay me? Dude, if he makes that move, it's about being paid. Yeah. Dude, he was, I mean, talking about consecutive years, just a hair under a 1,000 yards rushing out there, right? Like sharing four and a half yards yeah. per carry, sharing the load. Like, And running's actually going to get easier with the addition of Russell Wilson, believe mm-hmm. it or not. So, again, something I think they need to – a one-year deal, right? Like inflate the number, play with the captain, <laughs> whatever you got to do. The other for me – or two other, three others. Safety Kareem Jackson. I know he's 34, but he can actually still play football, and he would still provide great depth opposite Justin Simmons. Linebacker Josie Jewell only played two games last season, but they are like uncomfortably thin at this point at the interior linebacker position. Final piece: wide receiver Deshaun Hamilton. He's 26. He tore his ACL uh, and missed all of last year. I know they have eight receivers on the roster. I know you're going to say, um, again, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. But like to me, Deshaun Hamilton just – I don't know why, and maybe it's just a personal opinion, but he's just always – I just thought he had this upside. I just thought he had something special. He could do a lot of things, gimmickies. We talk about that wide back that Debo invented. He's somebody who can do – those sort of things. He's going to get attention to market. I hope my team pays attention to this individual and takes a flyer on him coming off the ACL. I just don't think he's going to get the love that he needs from his, his former team, but I do think he's an impact free agent. Cap casualties. I mean, I mentioned the Broncos have a comfortable men accounts uh, cap space. I don't expect them to make a ton of moves outside of this Russell move, to be honest with you. I do expect them to look at potentially restructuring <coughs> Garrett Bowles, Cortland Sutton. That might free up another 18, 19 million. You carry that over to next year. Now you're really competing in this division. If I had to split hairs, defensive tackle Mike Purcell, his contract's the only one that really aligns to a, a cap casualty. Depending upon designation, that's $2.7 to $3.5 million. But they're most likely not going to do it because no more Shelby Harris, and they're embarrassingly thin at defensive tackle. So, like, that's where this roster is. This roster is in, like, a, a stay-put mode. So, some priority free agents. I mentioned right tackle. They have cap room. Push your chips all in on Morgan Moses. If Morgan Moses isn't there, Riley Reef is another name that makes sense. Either one of them is an upgrade over the current situation, and you need to protect your crown jewel. You just brought in this gem. You just said he's your future, and he's how you're going to compete <laughs> You got to keep them upright. Uh, I mentioned interior linebacker being a position of need. I think he, I think Josie Joel resigning is the most obvious answer here. But a name that kind of feels interesting to me 
is potentially like a, a KJ right. He's got experience in all alignments at all positions uh, across that, that linebacker crew and his experience in, in, in Seattle. I know he's not the same player he once was, but veteran leadership knows Russ, right? So now you got an offensive leader, potentially a voice who could come in on the defensive side and say, this is how you win championships. This is how you do things. Don't be surprised if they if they kick the tires on that individual. Why not his other former run, running mate, Bobby Wagner? Well, you well, boy, Russ, Russ was trying to. Uh, your boy Ben Albright said there is nothing to that right now. I agree. I agree. I don't think there is because I think they're trying to put their resources elsewhere. Elsewhere, but, yeah. But uh, Russ was calling for Bobby. So listen, if you ever need a linebacker, every team should be calling for Bobby Wagner. This guy can still play football. This is about Seattle just making a move. Like he might not be the Bobby Wagner that he was three years ago or four years ago. I'm pretty confident without even looking at the statistics, he was still top five in tackles last season. I know tackle's not a real stat, but this is a guy who's going to put his name, put his numbers. He's going to put 5-4 in the mix, and he's going to make plays, and he knows how to win games and make big plays in big-time moments. Anybody who's got a linebacker need, if you're, not scra- if you're not sniffing Bobby Wagner, you're doing your team a disservice, in my opinion. And I'll talk more about this in a bit. But interior defensive line, just lost Shelby Harris. That's a loss, but you got rust in return, right? So therein lies a little bit of a win. I do expect them to address this position. Here were my notes. DJ Jones, Sebastian Joseph Day, BJ Hill. This is all before today. Guess what, Bronco fans? You just brought in DJ Jones. Let me explain to you as somebody who's watched DJ Jones since he's come out of college. You're going to be very pleased with what you get on the interior defensive line. He clogs the run. He commands double teams and he creates pressure up the middle. I'm saying this emphatically because I am quite upset. Lou, potentially more upset than I was about the Lake and Tomlinson moving on to the Jets. DJ Jones was a name that I really wanted to stay in San Francisco. I just grew to appreciate this man. Um, Just an underrated player, just another guy. Like even a Sebastian Joseph Day, when people are like, who's Sebastian Joseph Day? Then you're not watching football. Like, these guys do the dirty work, you know? They do things that nobody else is willing to do. These are good football players. Denver fans, your team is trying to go win. This is a a, a tremendous addition, and you heard it here first about what you're bringing to your team. Edge. Lou, I'm going to say this out loud. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I can't help but feel they are poised for a reunion with Mr. Von Miller at this point in time, because Vaughn's looking back at this like, oh, shit. We might be ready to win some football games. We might be ready to compete in this division. Who better to compliment Draymond Jones and Bradley Chubb right now with what they got going? Just out of DJ Jones, just solidified a little bit of that defense, that interior defensive line. You know, I, listen, another year older, another year in the league, another year wear and tear. Vaughn, walk out on the field on third down. Second see, long situations. See – you're close, but no cigar. They do want – I feel like they do want to fortify – I mean, I feel like in this division, if you, if you don't have two edge – you know, superior edge rushers, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And I do think they want another edge rusher. I just feel like Vaughn comes off as the desperate girl trying to have them pursue him. Uh, I think their attention is elsewhere. I think it's Chandler Jones, if you ask my other opinion, uh, if you ask my opinion. And the reason being – 
Chandler Jones is better than Vaughn, and what he does better than Vaughn is a lot of turnovers, strip sacks, things of that nature. So I feel like the Broncos are heavily in the Chandler uh, Jones market. And I also saw, you know, from Benjamin Albright earlier today that if they don't get Chandler Jones, then it's possible Randy, Randy Gregory, because Gregory has, like, like I said in a lot of other shows, 15 and a half sacks over the last three years. So he has been, you know, a, a, a good force on the edge, you know, at the edge position. So I think it's one of those two. For some reason, I don't foresee them reunion, you know, reuniting with uh, Von Miller. I just, it just feels like it fits. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's come back home, baby. Uh, we should bust Pete's chops because while we were talking to Pete, and it might have actually been as soon as he hung up the phone with us, just announced that Tyron Mathow will not be back with the Kansas City Chiefs as they just signed Justin Reed to a three year, $31.5 million contract. Um, Dude, I, I'm sorry. While you're going through your teams, I'm going to be refreshing. <laughs> I know it's like wildfire. So two more so things. The, so uh, that means Tyrone Matthew probably to the Ravens, I would think. But go ahead. That that makes like perfect sense. Yeah. But here we go with Denver Broncos. Safety. Perfectly timed. I don't have Matthew on their list. Um, but Matthew on their list. But if Jackson isn't coming back, they actually need somebody to come play in the box. Right? Like Simmons is your center fielder. He can play all over the field. To me, that screams two names in this free agent market right now that are left, especially after the the Justin Reed thing, is Marcus May from mm-hmm. the New York Jets and Jaquiski Tart from the San Francisco 49ers. These guys will come bang in the box. They'll play close to the line of scrimmage for you. You can let Justin Simmons kind of patrol the center of the field. And they're both talented enough to play a two-deep like safety if you need to. Like Tart did plenty of that in, in San Francisco – but he's just a physical guy can come up. Uh, but I think Marcus May on day two of free agency here is going to pick up a lot of steam. I just think the hesit- hesitancy around him is the mid-season injury and does like he start on the pup, right? It's like hard to justify this like massive contract for somebody who might start on the physically unable to perform list to start your season. That's certainly what you um, don't want to see. Last piece, cornerback. I mentioned it before. Fuller's probably gone. Um you know, between what is it between Roby and and everybody else? Who, uh, why am I drawing a blank on the rookie? I feel so stupid drawing. Patrick Sertain, Sertain, and then Ojemudie. Right, they have some some depth there and some pieces. Uh, this is going to be addressed via the draft. Don't be surprised to see them add two or three cornerbacks in, in the draft. If we talked about the draft, we talk about the draft, but we don't talk about we the don't draft talk about the draft at this point in time. So, Lou, let's let's forge forward. That leaves us with the Las Vegas Raiders in the AFC West. So I have the uh, – people can't see. I'm doing air quotes. Pleasure of talking about the Las Vegas People Raiders. can see when it's up on – Well, YouTube. if it's on Spotify or – yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm, I have the pleasure of doing the Las Vegas Raiders. And looking at this roster real quick and then everything that we know that has transpired, uh, transpired in the AFC West – I get to my thinking to myself, maybe the Raiders should punt. And the reason why I'm saying that, I don't know how they can really compete in this arms race against these three teams. Um, they don't have the talent, they don't have the resources, uh, the draft capital, or what have you. So it should be interesting what they do. If they try to play keep up with the Joneses, they might go bankrupt. Uh, so we'll see what they do. But they have 30 million in cap space. 
which puts them firmly in the top uh, eight uh, in the in the NFL uh, as of right we speaking right now. Some t- some of their top needs are wide receiver, guard, and in- interior defensive line. Like they literally only have two interior defensive line to active contracts, and that's Kendall Vickers and Andrew Billings. So none of those guys mm-hmm. are are going to cause you know cause you concern. And they need cornerback help too. <clears throat> some priority free agents. I had Zay Jones here, but he signed a massive deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars, so uh, he will not be back. I have Deshaun Jackson here. I think age and perhaps fit uh, is a key. Uh, for he finds him what uh, leave himself Vegas there. Uh, Richie Incognito, does John Simpson take over for him? He shouldn't. He had 10 penalties, Simpson, and allowed three sacks. But I don't think Incognito comes back because, like Jackson, he's a little long in the tooth. Uh, they're losing a lot on the interior defensive line, so I'm not sure who they're going to prioritize. First and foremost, you can get rid of Gerald McCoy. Uh, age, injuries, it makes, us e- it makes it easy. This was the old regime who, who coveted and valued – Veteran leadership or whatever you want to call it, but uh, McCoy will not be back. Jonathan Hankins, really good run stuffer, but that's all he brings to the table. He's starting to get a little older. Solomon Thomas, situational pass rusher, who I think will have a bigger market perhaps uh, than you would think. So I'm not sure if he'll be back. Quentin Jefferson, who had a decent year. Uh, I do think they try to bring him back. He had six, six sacks last year, 51.5 pro football focus grade of last year. Darius Phylon, he's an athletic defensive tackle, brings some juice when he's on the field. He did suffer an injury late in the season, uh, but I can feel like they can bring him back on the cheap because he does when he's on the field, he he is explosive, but he does he's not on the field too often. You mentioned KJ right before because he is a free agent. I think they're gonna move on from him. Uh, I just thought they brought him for debt purposes, and he really wasn't a difference maker. And they're looking to perhaps, you know, get a little, you know, a little more athletic at the second line defense there. Casey Hayward, he played really well last year. He had a resurgence uh, under that Gus Bradley cover three scheme. The only issue is, guess what? They're no longer on a Gus Bradley cover three scheme. So all that being said, I feel like he's probably out there too, regardless of his pro football focus grade of 76 uh, and also his uh, he really allowed like a low completion rate too. I just don't think he can ha- hold up in man coverage. Um <clears throat> Some cap casualties. They already restrict, uh, restricted uh, Kenyon Drake and Colton Mill to free up $14.5 million. Uh, how about they also cut Corey Littleton? That was an awful signing for him. Uh, Post-June 1st, that's going to free up $11.7 million and incur a, a $4 million dead money hit. They also can look to part with their other in, uh, uh, other linebacker, Nick Katowski. They can free up $7 million and have a dead money hit of $1.2 million. Not sure if they'll do that because then they're real. Then they have no one at, at linebacker. But uh, if they're really looking to, you know, change the, you know, have a facelift out there in, in Las Vegas, that could be a, a way they can find additional money. So free agent targets. I mean, before free agency started, I had a boatload of names on here, but uh, they're all well, gone. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, a lot of those are gone. Wide receiver. I feel like they have to bring in someone big time. They keep on striking out at the wide receiver position, whether it's Henry Ruggs or back in the day Hayward Bay. Like they cannot get uh, a wide receiver, t- and you can't just rely on Hunter Renfro. It's the usual suspects here. You're hey, DJ Jones gone, who had a great year too. You know, yeah, DJ, yeah, no, great. DJ Chark, he's big, he's fast. You know, they love speed out there in Las Vegas. Juju Smith Schuster, possibly. Okay, 
But yeah, I feel like he's a little redundant with with what Hunter Renfro does and playing an intermediary game there. Allen Robinson, yeah, he provides you that possession type thing, but they still need some more long speed. So I'm not sure if that's a real good fit there. Or hey, maybe they just pivot and they go to your Josh McDaniels two tight end sets and try to get in like an OJ Howard to pair up with Darren Waller. That's something I could picture them looking at too. Cornerback, they need to keep up with the uh, offenses in the AFC West and the Joneses. I have J.C. Jackson, Carlton Davis here. Newsflash, they aren't going to be in Las Vegas. You have Stephon Gilmore, all right, possibility reuniting with a former uh, Patriot. Uh, and they also have Darius Williams they can kick the tires on too. <clears throat> Interior defensive line, I think Hakeem Hicks would be a real good fit for there. Uh, it provides a solid uh, veteran uh, leadership there. He's still good. Uh, and he can play multiple fronts, which I think that's something they're really good. Uh, the defensive coordinator, uh, what's his name? Patrick Graham. They came over from the Giants that he plays. So I think Akeem Hicks would be a prime fit in Las Vegas. But that's pretty much all I have them. I had more, but I guess they're waiting for waves two and three, which is interesting because – I don't know how that's going to keep them in competition with the rest I, of the uh, I go back to your original, original sentiment. Like, maybe they punt. Like, dude, next year. If they're going to punt, you got to punt. You know what you got to do? You got to trade Derek Carr away. You get yourself two first-round picks. You, you, you will. If you're, you're going to do it. 100% do you it. will right now. To the, you do go it. to the Indianapolis Colts, they'll give you your next two years. They're the year next year and the and year play, after. They're giving a, a Maybe a player, yeah. In a heartbeat, and they're walking into next year with 123 million dollars in cap space. In a desirable place to play, in a no income tax state, like there's just things that I don't know, man. I it just doesn't like they rid themselves of a lot of contracts if they just pun out, right? I think the biggest thing that they were like, dude, even right now, I mean your quarterback is less than $20 million against the cap. Like that's not a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like they're in, I mean, you mentioned Corey Littleton. He's like number two, literally uh, in cap space on this team right now. Well, they, cut, they, they, they did cut him. Littleton. Yeah. Did they do, they did June two, June one, right? I mean, it didn't come out, but it would make more sense to do post June 1st. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's 11 million versus yeah. 1 million. Yeah, um, so it has to be designated as post June 1st. Yeah. Yeah, so just like I just it just feels like the look what the rest of the division did. I'm gonna hang back here for a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, like, why half ass it? I don't get it, but we'll see uh, what they do. I, I don't. We don't know what they're doing. It's day one of free agency. Like the league year hasn't actually even officially started yet. The draft hasn't even but started yet. If you're you know? a Raider, if you're a Raiders executive, if you're a Raiders fan, and you look what just happened that just transpired this week. What, what's going through your head? We gotta, we gotta make moves. Good are, you going, are, you, are you going like relax? It's okay, or are you going like, oh man? Oh, I'm going, oh man, but I'm going, oh man, for like this year. Like the pendulum swings heavy, heavy year to year. You know what I mean? Cap situations change heavy year to year. Like I look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars just did, like. Yeah, they had a lot of cap space this year. We don't know what those contracts really look like just yet. Like, are they in cap hell next year for players that, like, you know, like is, is Christian Kirk bringing you over the top to support Trevor Lawrence? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know. 
<laughs> if I'm the Raiders fan, if I'm Raiders fans, I'm just like, chill for just a second. We're in the best division in football right now on paper. Let's be calculated. Let's not panic and just spend money to spend money because that's ill-advised execution, right? And that's an ill-advised strategy. So I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic <laughs> button if I'm Las, Las Vegas Raiders. You just brought a new coach. You just brought a new, like, regime. You know what I mean? Like, hang tight. Just hang tight for a minute. 2022 is not going to be favorable for you. You just want to compete. Um, and, and then you proceed from there when you're sitting at 120 plus million dollars of cap room where you can even re-sign your quarterback if you want to, right? And it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you to do that, to bring Carr back if he continues the ball. And we knock Derek Carr here. We do, but I distinctly remember talking about this when we were talking about um quarterbacks and other things like He's a competitor. He's a good player, and he's definitely the top half of this league. He's definitely yeah, he, in the top half of this league. He, you're you're right, West. I just don't understand or like his like I just don't understand his game. It's like it's like very like West Coast offense. They're try they try to make him a deep ball guy. He's know? not, but he's like not. they tr- like they're trying. But he's better with quicker, uh, you know, short intermediate passes. And I just it just I don't know. I, it's just very it's just very frustrating because it works. And it's very frustrating. And you're like, how's this working? But um, yeah. I would have taken him last year over Jimmy Jr. We were talking about before they made the Trey Lance move, right? Like, in all of that, I Listen, was like, I'll take Derek Carr <laughs> well, in this offense all day. Yeah. All day. And if you're saying, like, oh, we got – I mean, it just looks worse because Derek Carr now has to face Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson. You know, like, he's not those guys. But he's a really good football player. Like, he's a really good football player. Um, and like Raiders have been competitive and guess what? You've been competitive because of him, yeah. because of him, you know, don't tell me it's anybody else. It's not like he's, he's carried this team. So I, I, I feel for the Raiders. They're, they're in a tough I don't. situation just because of the division. I know you don't because they're a division rival. Just like, I don't feel for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't. Hey Raiders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't even care. I'm stomping on the grave. That was the Seattle Seahawks until they, draft Malik Willis and to start him right away. And all of a sudden he's like the next Russell Wilson. I am Dave Chappelle and uh, fuck your couch Raiders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't never, I remember putting my feet on Amer's couch. <laughs> 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 all right. So let's transition. Let's get into the NFC West and I'm going to, I'm going to fly. Leave, let's, leave, let's leave. Yeah. Let's leave the best division in football right now. And let's go into the NFC West. Formerly the best division in football for quite some time. Oh, formally. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, were they not? Just the division? No, 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 no. I thought you meant no. Okay, yes. yes, Formally, yes. Formally, the best division. Russell Wilson leaving hurts. That hurts the the competition level in this division. But you still have Kyler Murray. You still got Drew Locke. I know, beast, (laughs) beast. He does know. You saw that uh, it was on Twitter that clip where he's just like, "Yeah, so what? You got Ru- Russell Wilson, but does your quarterback know all the lyrics to whatever song?" And it's like halftime, and put, he's like jamming put on, out. yeah, put, put on, on whatever. Yeah, <laughs> he's singing the whole song. It's like, why don't you just focus on the play that's being called versus knowing the lyrics to that song? So let's transition to the NFC West. We're gonna lead in with my San Francisco 49ers. Get him. So right now, right now, we're just a hair under. <laughs> 10 million over the cap. So we are 9.6 over the cap. 
49ers are an interesting spot. Like they do sit over the cap. Anyone who follows his teams knows how quickly you can get into the cap. The release or trade of Jimmy G, who carries a $25.5 million savings, does that exactly. I, I've been saying this to you, Lou. I did never once imagine the 49ers being heavy players in free agency as they do have a good team. They do have good depth. They just played in the NFC Championship. In 2020, they were injury-plagued like no other team I've ever seen before, which brought them in a competition. And the year before, they competed for the Super Bowl, right? So, like, this team is not falling off the ledge. I'm not screaming, like, what's going on? You know, and our kryptonite just left the division, right? Like, is Seattle now, instead of going 0-2 every year against them, like, is it 1-1? Like, even that tilts the scales in, in, in our favor. What I'm most excited about is this is now the Trey era. Jimmy G's off this roster. I know I said on um, Jesse's show that, like, don't be shocked if Jimmy G's on the roster next year. And don't be shocked if he's actually on the roster for beyond free agency as we approach the draft. The market is not what people imagine this market would be. Like, why would the market be hot for somebody that the entire media that covers the 49ers had trashed all season? All of a sudden you think, like, I want that guy. I want that guy. Right, like these things don't. He's a subpar change. quarterback that just came off a big shoulder surgery that we won't be able to draw, uh, to throw for six. Non-throwing weeks. arm, non-throwing arm, sh- uh, throwing uh, shoulder surgery. By they the way, he can't throw for sixteen weeks still though. Can't do things. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's I mean, Carson true. Wentz couldn't walk, and the Colts still went and got him and had to bring him into to camp, and then parlayed that. The freed up money from Jimmy does the obvious, right? It, it allows them to extend Nick Bosa, allows them to extend Debo Samuel. It might allow them what I was hoping if he was already off the books, it would allow you to retain the likes of Lakin Tomlinson, which I'll talk about in a moment, or DJ Jones, um, obviously, which has not come to fruition. But here's the reality for 49ers fans. The impatience kills me. These people who sit there and like, why are we not in on J.C. Jackson? Why are we not signing this person? Blah, 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 blah. Well, here's the re- you're $10 million over the cap. You just came out of the NFC Championship. What teams? We just talked to Pete about the Kansas City Chiefs. They were just in the AFC Championship. They're not out there making a ton of moves. Even the friggin' Bengals who were just in the, just in the Super Bowl. And have a shit ton of cap room. Alex Kappa in, in a near broken aging Rob, Rob Gronkowski. You know what I mean? Like they didn't make the splashes that the Chargers did, that the Jaguars did. This is the this is the reality of the NFL. Like when your team has depth and you're competing, more often than not, you're just aiming to retain your talent. We have 10 draft picks. And we talked about the draft. I talk about how they're going to add two or three, at the very least, able bodies. Not to mention the draft picks that we made last year that didn't even see the field this year. Things change quickly. Pete made a really, really good point. I don't remember if he made it on air or prior to, but the Super Bowl is not won in March. It's not. Don't tell it's, me that. It's a step towards it. It's a step towards it for sure. Like you can't compete if you don't have the players. But there's a lot of things that have to take place from now until opening weekend in in September. Um, Teams that were just in championship games, they don't splurge. They tweak. They tweak. And we're – you talked about Justin Herbert. 
Pete talked about Patrick Mahomes mac- maximizing a, a rookie contract. We're just getting to that point to maximize Trey Lance's contract. And the reality is it's like a four to five year window. So we year one has passed. But the reality is because is as you get closer to the end of that rookie contract and they, they're performing, you sign them to a massive contract. But the first year in that massive contract never hurts. Look at Patrick Mahomes signed to a half a billion dollar contract. I think the year that he signed it, he counted for like $8 million against guy. Like nothing. Same thing with Josh Allen. Same thing yeah. with Josh Allen. It counts nothing against the cap. So you have a four to five year window. One year went by. One year went by for a guy who hasn't played football in two years. You know what I mean? Like let's pump the brakes here for just a moment. Playing devil's advocate though. So one year went by. You still don't know what you have. Just saying. So what happened if he has a subpar year this year? So now you're going year three. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, just say, just be playing yeah, devil's yeah, advocate. Yeah. And, and that's fine. It's it's fine. Let's say he doesn't have a good year. That tells me what I need. Tells me what I need around that rookie quarterback, right? Like, it's an unknown. We saw a little bit of Trey. Can you really tell me that what you saw in Trey was not good? Because you can't tell me that. Can I? Can you tell me it was elite? No, you can't tell me that either. I'm well aware, you know what I mean? But we saw him, and we saw him produce, and we saw him make plays, and we saw, to me, what he could be, and what he could be is better than what we had, period. Period, point blank, right? Like, So, again, and that, what I just say to Pete before, coaching, quarterback, coaching, quarterback. You have those two things, you're going to compete. I mean, I know 49ers fans are like the enigma. We're like, I hate Kyle Shanahan. I love Kyle Shanahan. I hate Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's a really good fucking football coach. Can you dispute that? It's probably top uh, top three, top five. Right? In the NFL now. Yeah, in the NFL right now. There's other geniuses that are waiting to come up. Uh, but is what it is, right? So let's move on. Top needs. Quarterback, cornerback, safety, edge, right guard. Uh, they don't have a ton of needs, but the needs that they have are really pressing and really important, and they're desperate in those positions. Um, right guard, I say right guard specifically because I do feel like they drafted Aaron Banks almost anticipating a loss of Lakin Tomlinson, essentially, right? Like you talked about making years uh, moves a year in advance. Possible possible now maybe that pick makes a a little bit more sense they have 25 total free agents all of their free agents are going to command a ton of attention that's what happens when you compete in nfc championship games and you're competing these people are, are part of that so i have six to seven names that they i think they must prioritize first two names you can honestly go across off the list lakin tomlinson i'm not gonna sit here and tell you why he's a new york jet defensive tackle dj jones these are literally the first two names. I'm a, he's a Denver Bronco. Those are the first two names. Gone. Scratch. Right off the list. What does that mean? Well, can we prioritize the rest? Cornerback, Jason Verrett. Is he, is it, he was brought back on a one-year deal. He got injured in the first game of the season, which has been the, the name of his game and his career. But I'll tell you what, Lou, and you can't deny it, in 2020, he was a top-flight cornerback in the NFL in his first season that he was legit, like, fully healthy, since his second season when he played for the Chargers and he was will, like I, an all-pro. 
I will not go into get into Jason Verrett because I love the player. Just I he just can't stay on the field. Look, no matter where he goes, no matter where he goes, if it's not San Francisco, it's a one year deal. Yeah. Is it easier to be brought back to the franchise that's shown faith in you in a one year deal? Probably, right? Like, and that makes more sense. The other one for me is nickel corner Kwan Williams. I think he's as good as gone. Uh, I think they'll draft a nickel, you know, or or draft somebody that can throw in the slot. Um, even the kid uh, Lemonor uh, from uh, Oregon, they'll throw out. You know, they'll give him a shot. At the slot, isn't he kind of big for the slot or no? No, 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 no. He's not a he's not a big guy. Ambry Thomas is the one from Michigan that was playing outside at the end of the year. Okay, um, he'll get a shot. I don't think K1's back. For me, I love Jaquiski Tart. I've always been a fan of Jaquiski Tart. You know what I love most about Jaquiski Tart is him. I don't know if you, if you knew this, but him and Jimmy Ward played high school football together. I did not. Yeah, they played high school football together, dude. That's a pretty cool thing, right? That these guys are now like reunited in the NFL. And they've been a formidable unit. Tart's a playmaker. He plays in the box. He can play center field. He can do what you ask of him. He's not Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward, you know how I feel about Jimmy Ward. The rest of the NFL doesn't feel the same way I do. But I think Tart is is absolutely somebody they need to bring back. But it might be hard. I think other teams are going to um, look at the tape, especially as free agency progresses, and say we, we might need to bring this guy. Two, two remaining names. Well, I have three, but two that are pressing to me. Aziz Alshir. We talked yeah. about him a lot this year. In Dre Greenlaw's absence, he was a monster. And he's a restricted free agent. So which means that's most likely back, right? Because we can put like the tag to him. Yeah, put a tenure on him. And I don't think I mean they'll slap a two uh, a second round tenure on this guy. And people are like, I'm not giving up a second round pick for him. Um Arden Key. That's big. Off the scrap heap from Las Vegas. Reinv- reinvigorated and reinvented himself in San Francisco to probably warrant a sizable payday by other teams. But to me, he, dude, he moved up and down and around that defensive line. He was his best when we would throw him in at defense, like more of like a defensive tackle and create pressure right up the middle, you know, stunting off a of Bosa or uh, Ibakam, whomever it might be, whatever. Final piece for me, Raheem Mostert. I don't think the team prioritizes him as much as I do, but you and I have always talked about how, like, this man at the second level is just next-level explosive. Next-level explosive. Like, when he hits an open field, there's nobody in the NFL can catch him. Nobody. Deion Sanders would struggle to catch this man. He is that fast. Uh, But injuries, again, another thing. But what I love is I pegged him to go to Miami, and then Miami brings in Chase Edmonds. Does that mean some teams sleep on Raheem a little bit? We'll find out. Cap casualties. There's really the biggest name in the world that that pops to mind to me, and it's quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that's $25.5 million savings. They're going to try, try to move to the best of their ability, uh, but the market's cooled, like I said. They're going to need to clear that cap before Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. I don't know what else to say. Like, they can't even flirt with free agents until that's done because there's no way that they can sign. That's the biggest number right now. Three other possibles. Edge, Sampson, Ibacom. He was a good signing for us last year. Uh, not super expensive. Came on at the end of the year. Rotational piece. Got pressure. But it is $6.5 million. Right? And, and somebody who's over the cap, you got to consider that. 
center Alex Mack. That's $4.2 million, an aging vet. You know, he was really kind of brought in last year to be like, this is the, this is the time we're making the push. We're, um, you know, formatting that offensive line. Maybe it's time to cut ties. The other one's linebacker Dre uh, Dre Greenlaw. I don't know why I struggle that with Al Shire's play. He could be expendable at two and a half million dollars, right? They they're they're replicas of one another. They play the same position on the field. They're never really on the field at the same time, so you might have to find something out um, or figure something out creative there. Target free agents. There's not a lot. This team's going to focus on the draft. I'm sorry, fans. I don't know what else to tell you. They got 10 draft picks. I know they don't have a first-round pick. I do keep on hearing Bobby Wagner's name, which I'm utterly confused because you have Warner, a middle linebacker, and then you have Greenlaw or Al Shazir, whatever his name is, as, as, the, as the Will linebacker. So where does Bobby Wagner fit in all this? He doesn't. But why? I, he's think, being... I think teams are thinking Vic, Vic Fangio is still here and we're in a 3-4 and you need two interior um, – Linebackers. I will tell you, I would love to find a spot for Bobby Wagner on this. I do think Fred Warner is that versatile. I mean, remember, this guy was a safety in college, right? Like you, you can bump him around, right? Like, and they'd be they'd be a very interesting pair in in nickel. Um, because <coughs> they both cover well and they're both highly intelligent defensive players. Bobby Wagner, so you're stealing my thunder a little bit here. He's on my wish list, but it's just a selfish wish list. It doesn't doesn't really have a rhyme or reason to it. It's just a it's more of a F you to Seattle after Sherman did it. Say, hey Bobby, come on over and come hang out. You know what I mean? Like, but he is on my wish list. But honestly, I think I, I still think he's gonna command money, not top dollar, but he's gonna command some money because teams need upgrades. So let me dive into some of my targets here cornerback I mentioned is a priority I, I think Verrett's the logical to pair opposite Emmanuel Mosley up until like two hours ago I'd say Carlton Davis felt like a possibility um, Kyle Fuller is a name that I mentioned earlier today that I think would start on this defense I, I I'm reading all the reports that they're engaged with Stephon Gilmore I don't even know how much I love that to be honest with you you know, it, it's going to cost a pretty penny, and it is this is not the same same Stephon Gilmore that was Defensive Player of the Year in 2019. Chavarius Ward is an interesting name. Rasul Douglas is interesting to me. Desmond King, DJ Reed, all of these guys make sense to start opposite Emmanuel Mosley. It's just about you don't have Carlton Davis, you don't have J.C. Jackson. Those are the bell of the balls at the cornerback position coming into this free agency period. Do you want to spend top dollar or do you want to get somebody that you can plug and play and start like right away? We'll see. Edge mentioned it. I wanted to bring this up when Pete was talking about Frank Clark. His name's been dropped a lot recently to the 49ers. Love the production. Love what he does. Love his game. Hate the person. Don't want him anywhere near this team whatsoever. The dream scenario for me is like, hey, we're missing out on these guys. Somebody who came out and said it's not about the money, it's about winning. What up, Chandler Jones? Come to the Bay. It's just a little bit north of where you are. You would fit tremendously opposite Nick Bosa. Imagine what these two would do when you talk about your pairing that you're facing. I'm not going to put them on the same stage, but it might be like 1A and 1B, right? Like when you think about your edge rushers. What's more realistic? Think second wave of free agency. Think names like Dante Fowler. 
Chris Kasurik, our defensive line coach, he's the defensive line whisperer, right? Like that's that's the talk around the NFL. I think Fowler can resurrect some things here, right? And he'd be a rotational piece, and that'll let you ke- keep Ibukam. And where we've been the best is when we can rotate eight or nine defensive linemen in a game and stay fresh and get the most out of them. Right guard it was Austin Corbett till I saw he was about to sign with, with somebody. That's who I had targeted. Um, James Daniels is another name that might make a lot of sense to come in um, if you're going to slide Aaron Banks over to the left. Safety, talk about a tart vacates. Marcus May is a name that I would be very interested in. Plays a very similar role to tart. You have, uh, what's his face, from USC that you can play for a little bit if May starts on the pup. Kareem Jackson, I think, again, fills that similar void. The cherry on top to me would be uh, Tyron Mathow. Uh, Matthew, I don't know why I was saying Mathow. I, I, I like Walter Mathow. I know <laughs> I know how to pronounce his last name. Tyron, Tyron Matthew, I think, would be a tremendous fit in this defense. At his age, he's one of those safeties that – wants to creep a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, right? And I think he does that well. And then I mentioned, you know, the selfish need was Bobby Wagner. No rhyme or reason to it. Just like if you sign a Bobby Wagner, you figure out a way he fits in your defense. You figure it out. Like you just figure it out. Like, you you know what I mean? Like, and I trust Amico Ryans, a former linebacker himself, who had tremendous success as a defensive coordinator last year. I trust him to figure that out. So that's it. That's, I could go all night about the 49ers, but, Lou, I'd summarize with this. I might be one of the few reasonable 49er fans that had no expectation to see anything called today in terms of acquisition. What I was hoping to see today was retention of names like Lakin Tomlinson and DJ Jones. And um, I am disappointed. Happy for both of them because I'm a fan first, um, but disappointed because I think that's a lost opportunity. And I think that opportunity ties back to still having Jimmy G on your roster and botching that. I think that's a botch by this team right now. Yeah. I, I hear like your target free agents. You're going to have a, uh, it's not a rookie quarterback, but it really is a rookie quarterback under center. And I think it's imperative for you to go out there and improve that interior offensive line. Cause losing both Mac possibly, and a Tomlinson. Well, Max still on the roster, but, but he could be possible. Yeah, yeah. I think that could be. You want a, a, an influence like Mac on Lance. Someone Lance doesn't have to do as much thinking with slide protections and things like that. So yeah. you, you see it all around the league. All these rookie quarterbacks are getting veteran, you know, proven centers. Chargers did with Lindsley. Uh, a couple other um, off the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> oh, Joe Burrow now got a. He got a. You know, a veteran center was a Karras. Uh So I think you really need you need to make sure you can fortify that interior offensive line because hopefully you have McGlinchey back. You got Trent Williams. The edges are fine. But uh, we've always said interior pressure is perhaps the most catastrophic when it comes to an offense. So uh, speaking of pressure, uh, I'm going to be covering the L.A. Rams. So Defending Super Bowl champs. Yeah, I mean, you don't get much more pressure than that now. The L.A. Rams, they might be first, you know, in your heart, first in your playbook there and everything, but they are dead last in cap space. Uh, they have $22 million over the cap. Uh, they have about four insufficient fund fees in their checking account right now, so uh, they are not looking good right now. Top needs, looking at this roster, it's loaded. It really is still loaded, even though what, what they're about to lose. So their, their needs are – Real quick, real quick. 
update as of three minutes ago, Frank Clark reworked his deal. So he's staying in Kansas City. Ah, so uh, Pete was on to something. He was. He was on to something. Sure, that wasn't by ch- per chance, by the way. No, I, I, I dude, I, how proud of us are you <laughs> to have? <laughs> I'm proud of you, Lou, for f- listeners. That was all Lou who was able to somehow, some way, secure Pete's time. That was a big, a big stepping stone for us. Whether it gains us notoriety or not, but like to just go toe to toe with somebody who does this for a living, literally every single day, and we do this in our spare time. I'm proud of you, my friend. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. You're going to make me cry. Please stop. <laughs> uh, getting back to uh, the L.A. Rams. Their top needs, interior offensive line, um, cornerback, and interior defensive line. Some priority free agents. They have a boatload, and these are big names. Odell Beckham. I think he comes back. I think they want him back. I think he wants to come back because they took a risk on him, and I feel like he, he really added another dimension to that offense, that explosive uh, playmaking capability that they really were missing for quite some time. So I think Odell does come back. I had Brian Allen here, but the, uh, their you know, uh, uh, center, and guess what? They re-signed him, three-year deal, $24 million. I thought that was a really good uh, re-sign because they needed him. He was imperative. He's a good fit in that zone scheme. He had an overall 80.2 PFF grade. Uh, his run blocking was 87.4, according to PFF. That's important in the McVay offense. They want to run the ball, and they want to play action and do the deep passes. So Brian Allen, I thought, was imperative. My next note here was Austin Corbett. Don't think they can afford him, I said. If you you need to sign Allen, don't think they can bring back uh, Allen and Corbett. And he actually – Corbett went to the Carolina Panthers, so they miss out on him. So now there's a guard position that they're looking to uh, fill. Sony Michelle, great, great job, Sony, of – pretty much stepping up when they need you the most. Uh, it wasn't flashy, but it was efficient. It was productive. But guess what? They're getting Akers back. They're getting Henderson back. He did his job, but I believe it's time to move on for him. Uh, Von Miller, uh, I think – this is where I think Von probably goes. He, re- he tries to run it back with the Rams. and they, they definitely want him back. They'll figure out some way somehow. He did great, a great job in the playoffs – uh, and I think that's something they really want to bring back. Darius Williams. You notice how every time this, the, the, the other corner outside of Ramsey always gets, always plays well uh, for some reason. And he always finds himself getting a you know big payday. That's what I think Darius Williams is going to do. He's a highly coveted man cornerback that I think is going to price himself out of Los Angeles. Jacksonville is what I'm hearing there. Yeah. I mean, why not, right? That might be a prudent signing, by the way. I was knocking them earlier. That would be a prudent signing. Yeah. <laughs> or I can see him going to the Raiders. I can see Darius Williams going to the Raiders. I think they were kicking the tires around him, too. So possible cap casualties. I'm looking for them to re-sign their heavy cap hitters, Stafford and Donald, to provide cap relief and kick the you know the, the can down the road. To, uh, you know, as the old saying says. Uh, you know, restructure their deals, provide some more in, towards the back end. That's where you're really going to find, the, I think, the most savings. And uh, But if you are looking to cut people, I have two on the list. Ashawn Robinson, he played real well uh, in the playoffs. He was that run stuffer that uh, really, you know, was giving the Cincinnati Bengals some fits, you know, uh, in the second half, stopping, you know, stuff, stuff in the run there. But post-June 1st cut, uh, the dead money would be $2.5 million, but the cap savings $7 million. That might be too rich not to pass up. Here's a shocker that perhaps you might think I'm crazy, but 
I don't think so. Robert Woods. And if OBJ is back, and then it makes a ton of sense. This is more of a luxury right now. You know, this is more of a luxury right now. His dead money hit would be five point seven, but his cap savings would be ten million dollars. That I think they they really take a you know a, you know introspective look on themselves and say, hey, can we afford to have Robert Woods on this uh, uh, you know uh, on this team right now with the cap space that we're in? Well, so, let me, can I ask you a question real quick? Go ahead. What about what about Whitworth? That's a sixteen million dollar cap savings if they throw him out right now. Oh, he's going to retire. Didn't he retire? Did that I'm, just not? I thought he retired, and it's just not reflected yet. Let's find out. You, you keep, keep off, Yeah, you, I'll keep on going. So some target free agents. He had to retire because they signed uh, Noteboom to a big contract. Yeah. So yeah, he had to retire. So I don't think uh, over the cap is updated. So target free agents. I think they're going to have the same mentality Tampa Bay had last year and just run it back. Now, if they do lose out on Von Miller, they're going to have to address that edge position. And basically, they're going to have to do one of two things. They're going to be looking for veterans, try and jump on that bandwagon bandwagon for a ring, or once touted rushes who never lived up to their billing. So here are some names that could possibly uh, replace Von Miller. Justin Houston, Jerry Hughes, Melvin Ingram, Charles Harris, David on Clowney. Those are some names I can I can see being replacements for Von Miller, but they do want him back. I think they are going to try to do everything that they can to get him back. Outside of that, that's all I have for your defending Super Bowl champions. I'm sorry to do that to you, Wes. No, it's fine. And I mean, they are what they are, right? And they beat us to get there. I don't have much to to say about them other than again, they're just came off the Super Bowl. We know they have no future draft picks. We know they're in in a difficult cap position, but that's usually what happens to Super Bowl champions. And then other players go, your, your players that helped you in the Super Bowl, go get paid by other teams becomes diff- more difficult to retain them. So let's, let's jump forward. I'm looking at the clock and I know we ran long, but it was awesome to have Pete on by the way. Like I, I'm glad we spent that time that we did with him going into the chiefs just to hear somebody who don't who worry. My it. Seattle's not long, by the way, <laughs> neither is my Cardinals. So we'll be right, quick. Let's do it. So we're Arizona Cardinals, eleven million in cap space. Once upon a time in twenty twenty one, they were the hottest team in football. I mean, they made the playoffs with an early exit at the hands of the Super Bowl champs, the LA Rams. They ended the season losing four of six games. Feels like the story of Cliff Kingsbury teams are epic collapses in December and January, and they actually have some internal tor- turmoil they need to address with their starting quarterback, Kyler Murray. Apparently, very unhappy with his contract and the direction of this team. And we also saw a fan favorite in Chase Edmonds traded to the Miami Dolphins, or excuse me, signed by the Miami Dolphins earlier today. Top needs, I got corner, outside linebacker, guard, defensive line, running back, wide receiver. All of a sudden, a playoff team feels like they have a ton of needs. They have 19 total free agents, a couple priority free agents that they're most likely going to lose. I I feel like the Cardinals are in a position where they're just going to focus on contribution type pieces. I don't see them making a huge splash in free agency whatsoever. So some of those priority free agents, edge rusher Chandler Jones, enough said, right? Like he's still one of the league's top pass rushers, no no matter how you cut it. Tight end Zach Ertz, re-signed. Running back James Conner, re-signed. Running back Chase Edmonds, signed by the Dolphins. Wide receiving Christian Kirk, signed to the most ridiculous contract I've ever seen by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then guard Max Garcia, who was originally a backup center, slid in and played well because of injury at guard. 
and they're already thin there. I mean, those are so like Jones is gone, right? Like in my opinion, he's a hundred percent gone. And then the next four that I had prioritized are three are resign or two are resigned, two are gone. And then you got Max Garcia left. What cap casualties might they have? I think this is more a question of what like what direction is the team heading in? Are they ascending or are they descending right now? They might change a lot of how they view some of their current players. They're going to want to restructure D-Hop, J.J. Watt, Rodney Hudson. You do those three things, you might find $27 million-ish that you can throw back into the equation and it'd be a little bit more aggressive. Cap casualty number one should be Cliff Kingsbury. But didn't home <laughs> just, just sign an extension? Um, I bought in early last year. I we bought in, early. but it just continued to rain true. Just those collapses. The air raid offense is not an air raid offense. You just saw how broken it was when you didn't have the best wide receiver in football, DeAndre Hopkins, playing right. Like it just came to an epic collapse. So again, they have to look internally and say, "What are we trying to do here?" I mean, when I look at the way their contractors are structured, left tackle DJ Humphreys, this isn't likely, but that's 15 million. That's 15 million. Guard, Justin Pugh, this is much more likely. 31 years old, not a stud, but 9.8 million. But they are thin at guard. That's it. They're like Matt Prater was another one I saw that might have been like three plus million, but they're not gonna they're not gonna get rid of Matt Prater. It's not gonna happen, right? So they're target free agents. I just mentioned how they're not going to be big spenders. I think they're going to be very active in that second wave of free agency that you're going to see a, a lot of teams. So lower tier individuals, not the superstar names. DJ, uh, excuse me, defensive line, as I mentioned, as a need. I thought DJ Jones was a, a good spot for Arizona. I, there he is in Denver. Akeem Hicks. Eddie Goldman recently released. These might be names that they scratched the surface on. I mentioned quarterback, cornerback as a name. Think the likes of Rasul Douglas, DJ Reed, Desmond King, maybe even Kevin King, right? The King brothers out of, out of Green Bay that you can add in addition. I think the super stretch here and the super stretch for a lot of teams is going to be Char- uh, Charvarius Ward. Offensive, uh, excuse me, outside linebacker. I would have thought of, of there was potential to reunite with Hassan Reddick. Who I really like for them is my guy, Kaiser White. I think he might be a potential fit um, in Arizona. Maybe a play for Zadarius Smith after his release from Green Bay. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I know that guy carried a big number, but is that number a lot lower just because you just got cut by your team? You're, you're, you know, you're on the scrap heap now. Wide receiver. Kirk's not coming back. Isabella's requesting a trade. Green is testing free agency and probably won't be back. They need to find depth outside of DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore. I think the big names are out for this team, um, especially seeing what these wide receivers on day one coveted or you know garnished in free agency. Names like Will Fuller, Marquez Valdez-Canlin, those could be in play. But this team loves to sign vets and savvy vets. So I'm thinking people like Emmanuel Sanders, who I've brought up before. T.Y. Hilton feels like a realistic name out in Arizona. Maybe even your boy, Hammy Watkins, reuniting himself 
with the uh, the NFC West uh, when he spent some time with the now Los Angeles Rams. But I'm, um, I don't know. The, these are just names that I think I, I think they like the savvy vets. I think a savvy vet depth piece is the most realistic. Talked about guard. There's really only two notable names left at this point. Connor Williams and James Daniel. Are either one of those in play? I'm not sure. I mentioned running back. They re-signed James Connor. Overpaid him, if you ask me. Edmonds oh my is God, gone. Such a bad contract. Yeah. Yeah. Edmonds gone. Two names that pop for me are Raheem Mostert coming back, being familiar in the division, but the most obvious and the person that immediately replaces what Chase Edmonds did for you is J.D. McKissick, who is also very familiar with the NFC West as a former Seattle Seahawk. I just feel like J.D. McKissick is the guy that gets burned in, in Arizona. Like he literally, him and Chase Edmonds are like, clones of one another what they do for a team like you can hand the ball off to him you can hand the ball off to chase Edmonds, but screens play action third down back like that's what those guys excelled at and i just feel like mckissick is a fit i'm just if i'm an if i'm an arizona cardinal fans i'm feeling like last year felt like the year that injury squandered it arrow going down right now for you yeah that's all I got. Go from one disappointing team to another in the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, I, I'm here for it. Give me <laughs> all of the disappointment. Uh, the, no props. Like, like yeah, I thought you maybe had some popcorn, you know, right next to you. Like, I brought the props out last time with the Lucha Libre mask. Uh, no popcorn. There there's... is nothing in my household that even remotely resemble, resembles a tangible look, feel, or Anything to the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> okay, so Seattle Seahawks. Um, we all know what's going on there. If you, if you know, they just traded away Russell Wilson. It's clearly. I stand it, corrected. I have a deflated football. That's what they are right now. A no, you should, you, should, you should have brought that up for New England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we all know what's going on in Seattle. I think it's extremely interesting that you're having a, a rebuild, a, not a retool, a rebuild with a 70 year old head coach. Uh, I'm shocked that uh, Pete Carroll is going along with this. I'm not sure if it's his idea. I know they feel like they've been butting heads because Par- Carroll wanted to play one type of offense and Russell Wilson wanted to cook, but uh, you know, Mr. Unlimited uh, took his talents elsewhere. Seattle got some, uh, some cap, some cap uh, uh, relief. Got some draft capital, and they're they're redoing it. They're redoing it. Maybe this is what the Raiders should be doing, you know, in the AFC West, realizing you know they just can't compete with the other couple of teams. So cap space, they have forty two million dollars in cap, which ranks them third in the NFL. Their top needs: quarterback, all all of a sudden, left tackle, corner, uh, center, right tackle, edge, cornerback. And what do all those positions have in common? Those are your premier positions, your quarterback, your edges, your tackles. Those are really important and really hard to find, by the way. So you're going to have to really kill in the draft or somehow find some diamond in the roughs that outplay their contracts. So it's going to be interesting to see how they really attack trying to fill the roster here. Some priority free agents. Dwayne Brown, 36-year-old left tackle. He's still good, but what's going to be his motivation to go back out to Seattle? I don't understand how they they – persuade him to resign right. 
on a rebuild like that, being that he's 36 years old, you know he's going to want to be with a contender or get paid even more money. Center, Ethan Posick, uh, 26-year-old. I think this is someone they probably want to bring back. Uh, he's young. They drafted him. They like him. He only allowed two sacks last year and had one penalty, 67.3 pro football focus grade. So I feel like he's a re-signed candidate. Rashad Penny, 26-year-old running back. Finally, finally he lived up to the first-round uh, first pick selection from a couple of years back. So listen to this. He had a good year last year, 119 rushes, 749 yards, and six touchdowns. From weeks 14 to 18, he had 92 carries for 671 yards. He finally put it all together, got the opportunity, and that's what the NFL is, find that opportunity and then put it together. And he really showed, uh, put it on a showcase what he can do for the, the Seattle uh, offense. And I think they're going to want to bring him back because they want to play that ball-controlling, running-run-style uh, offense. Gerald Everett, 27-year-old tight end. He had 48 receptions, 478 yards, and four touchdowns. With the addition of Noah Fanto, Everett finds himself the odd man out. I think they look to part with him. And last but not least, DJ Reed, 25-year-old cornerback. Um, you alluded to him before. For uh, you know, with the Niners, he's a five-nine solid zone cornerback. He had seventy-eight tackles, two interceptions last year. He played real well for uh, that Seattle cover three scheme. He's a good player, man. He is. He is. Uh, you would think that because of his size, it would knock him, but he he's pretty solid uh, against the run too. Shockley for being so small, so he he's a fierce competitor, as the, the professionals would say. <laughs> <laughs> Cap casualties. I mean. You don't look at this roster. You don't have to, and I don't mean that in a positive way. There's just nothing to. It's just all bone. There's no meat on it. I mean, if you really wanted to get technical here, you could throw Carlos Dunlap out there, and you're doing it not because of his production. You're doing it because of his age, and you're going with a change of guard philosophy. He's 33 year old Ed Rusher, but he did have eight and a half sacks last year. So. Like I said, it just could be more of like a you know a turning of the guard uh, situation. You can save five point one million dollars and have a dead money hit of one point four million. So that could be a possible uh, way for them to save a little extra money. Potential free free agent targets now. Either they're going to have to overpay for some top tier talent, or they're going to be searching in the the bottom of the value bin to fill the roster. So. Some of these names aren't sexy, but they're just serviceable, and I think that's what they're going to have to really focus on. So cornerback, you were talking about before, Kenwan Williams. He has familiar, uh, the Seattle Seahawks have familiarity with him because he, he plays in their division, and, and Williams has familiarity with them because he played in that cover three scheme before uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. Levy Wallace is another cornerback to take a look at there because uh, he excels in zone coverage, and he specializes in that, and that's what they're looking for out in Seattle. So Levy Wallace is another cornerback they can bring in uh, to feel the roster in the back end. Right tackle. They have absolutely no one there. Bobby Massey. He's 33 years old. Uh, he's probably just looking for a starting gig at this point. Played serviceable last year, and that's what they're going to attract really out in Seattle for the time being until they really start hit, hopefully start hitting on these draft picks. Uh, edge rusher. Uh, you're looking at Charles Harris, 27-year-old edge but a breakout last year in Detroit with seven and a half sacks. Now you have to think to yourself, well, is this just like a one-hit wonder type of thing, or is this a sign for things to come? But Charles Harris could possibly uh, be a good fit out there. We've alluded to before about Derek Barnett. Now, it doesn't have a high ceiling, but his floor is pretty high, so I could picture him uh, you know, being a target for Seattle. Uh, and here's another name, Nuchenna Wosu, 
has experience playing in the cover three scheme by Gus Bradley at the Leo position. So I think that's a good fit for Seattle Seahawks too. Yeah, I, I, they're, almost, they're, they're in trouble they're because in trouble. They have, they're having the same issues as Jacksonville's going to. They're going to have the same issues Jacksonville's going to have. Either you're overpaying for talent, or you have to get lesser talent. What what baffles me the most is the decision because this was a corporate decision to choose P. Carroll over Russ Wilson, the oldest coach in the NFL, or a quarterback who if you stand behind will restructure and do things, who's what? Like what's Wilson, 31, 32 years old? And you look at the – I think he's 35. Is he that old already? Yeah. I'll look that up. You can... it, it, It's just a matter of like – so let's say he is 35, right? Like you still have other people – like look at – Aaron Rodgers, look at Tom Brady. He's 34. 34. So look at Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, like these guys that played to almost 40, 40 plus, right? Like we'd put Wilson in that category. So let's just say there's three to four more years there. Like having the quarterback makes it a retool versus an entire rebuild, if you ask me. You know what I mean? And the, to your point, like, now it's rebuild with the oldest coach in the NFL. Like how much more motivation is there? How much more time? Like it's not a 35-year-old head coach that came in and said, like, I'll invest the next five years in rebuilding this team. Believe in me. Believe in my scheme. Believe in the culture. This is a 70-year-old man. You know what I mean? Like how how much I, I know Pete runs around like he's 40 on the sideline. Like I know that. I actually am a big Pete Carroll fan. Even though he he's in Seattle, I hate him. Last time the 49ers won a Super Bowl, he was defensive coordinator. Um, I, I, I love Pete Carroll. I do. I, I I hope I have his energy when I'm 70 years old. I hope I get to 70 year old, years old and when I get there that no, I, chew- I I hope to have his energy when I'm 40. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and I chew gum and run around like he does on the sideline. Like I hope all of those things, but it's still, I just, I just don't listen. I'm glad they made that decision. I just can don't I, feel like it was the I tell right you my philosophy. I don't think this had anything to do. Well, I think th- there was an undertone and there's a, 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 a real reason behind this, uh, the motivation to make this move, to move on with Russell Wilson. I think this is more financial. I think they wanted, I think from a, you got to think about it. They have, their market locked down. Their fans are going to come out there regardless because they put on such a good product for the last 20 years or so, right? But I don't I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I've 49ers Twitter Did the owner die? Did the owner die? Paul Allen, former co-founder yeah. of Microsoft. So yeah, yeah so didn't he die? So like like I thought because he died and the, there's been there was like some rumblings like do they the when it went to a trust or whatever, like do they even want to you know, still be owning the team. So I think this is more financial driven than perhaps I, I could be wrong, but I, it, I, it could be opinion. a bigger picture here, right? Like sell teams, just, do yeah. those things like cheaper, sure. looks better on the books, but like the 49ers Twitter is directly connected to Seattle Seahawks Twitter and Seattle Seahawks Twitter is in shambles, dude, shambles. Like their media coverage. Could it, so could it relate? Like, Think of the San Francisco. No, you can't relate right now. <laughs> it's only, 
there's only three of you in charger media anyway but uh, i know that was sorry wow, wow. There'll, there'll be 10 of you by next the start of next season i promise wow low blow <laughs> joke wester low blow <laughs> I love it though. I'm all about it, bro. You know me. I've been heckling the Chargers forever. You know I'm a Charger. Like, bro, come on. I was selling you on this team before the season started. Not selling you on this team. I was saying this team's going in the right direction. Listen, I know. I know who you're really a fan of. It goes Detroit Lions, Lions. San Francisco 49ers, (laughs) LA Chargers. (laughs) By the way, I brought back my boy Parnum. Yes, yes, that was a no-brainer, yes. I know, but I can't wait to tell my wife. I haven't told her that yet. She's going to be <laughs> so excited, and she's going to be a Charger fan next season, which is fine. It's, like, cool because I think she's, like, the hex, but also, like – because every time she watches, sits there and actually watches the 49ers game with me, we win. But then there's other times she's, like, down there half-ass, comes down at halftime, does these things, and I'm like, you don't get it. Like, you need to be here. Like, I am here prior to this game. Like, this is a commitment what I put into my team. Um, but back to the Seahawks for a second is they're, they're in shan- like they're in shambles dude. So like the media coverage are like literally talking to me, like I'm heartbroken. I'm not going next season. Like, and the, and 49 are, are digging at these people. Like, cause they used to gun us in like 2015, 16, 17, when Levi stadium was empty empty because chip kelly was our head coach or jim tom sula was our head coach and there was nothing like this is not the 12 anymore man like the the 12th man was built on the legion of boom the 12th man was built with russell wilson like there's not a player on this team that represents the last two are gone dude the last two players that represent the last super bowl that they won 7 years ago 8 years ago whatever it was at this point are gone this is it, it's going to hurt for a while man and and now Deshaun Watson says no like is not interested in even coming up there in the first place like they better hope when they draft Malik Willis at 9 overall that he's that guy they better hope they I better hope. You, I, I see what you did there. They're going to draft him. It's going to be hard. Who's going to take him before nine? We'll, we'll, we'll talk that for our, our draft coverage. We don't talk about the draft here. We don't Not talk yet, until we talk about the draft. All right. Lou's got him in the top five. You heard it here first. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, because yeah, quarterbacks never get pushed up. No, uh, no, more no you're, right. You're, right. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. They uh, might they might end up with him, but hey, maybe they they trade up. So, well, I mean, they finally paid themselves back for the Jamal Adams trade. Is basically what that boiled down to. Right, so, Russell so, Wilson. I'm not a general manager, obviously, but I can tell you right now, what not to do as a general manager: throw a boatload of money at your safeties. They, in Jamal Adams, they over they overpaid, and now they just paid Quandre Diggs. All their capital and their resources are in the two safeties. I think that's not edge rushers now. And and Will Disley, who they just paid $8 million a year. Dude, somebody put something out there. Somebody from the 49ers because they were totally taking a stab at the Seattle Seahawks. Disley is average, I think, over like the last three years of his career, 250 yards receiving, and they just paid him $8 million a year. That's what you have to do. Can't put a price on heart. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they would pay me. I'm all I'm all heart, baby. 
All right, Lou, that wraps us up. We're well over time. Um, Hey, you know what? Me too. That that completes our NFL free agency predictions. We definitively had to pivot this evening, um, which hurt a little bit. Well, was probably super pleasurable for you. Hurt a little bit more for me having to pivot based on our teams without – because, like, we were literally doing this on the fly, checking our Twitter – um, covering our, our respective divisions. But that puts free agency in the bag for us until we come back with our recap, our, our winners and losers. I'd love to put together a show um, where we bring somebody in, um, if you can I find the yeah. other one or two from the L.A. Charger world. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll find a 49er guy to, to come in and, and talk with us and just talk about our own two teams. And then we'll come back like we did last year because I really enjoyed our winner and loser segments. Um, when we acted like fans from that fan base, I think that is a must have. Um, fans are screaming for it. And by fans, I mean, I'm screaming for it, baby. Like <laughs> I want, I want more of it, but Lou, like you always do wrap us up this evening. Tell us, uh, tell everybody where they can find us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF pod NFL and Weston, as always plug the YouTube channel, the path to 500, my friend. We're, we're on the path to 500 at we're talking football on YouTube. I will reiterate myself. I'm sounding like a broken record, but I did promise Lou a very, very expensive dinner. If we can get ourselves to 500 YouTube followers or subscribers is the correct term. So hit the subscribe button, hit the like buttons, Hit the notification buttons. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Come find us. Come listen. Uh, we stand toe-to-toe with the best in the business, and and, and we stand by that. So, Lou, and, and oh, I know. Time, I, I, I don't. I don't stand by that at all. I do. I think we're, I think we're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm an arrogant SOB. I don't care. I don't wake up in the morning unless we're going to be the best at it. So, always a pleasure, my brother. We'll catch up with you soon.